Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve and here with me is Kevin. Hey guys. And our returning guest host, Chris Rybert. What's going on? Today's episode 11, we'll be talking about the wonders, 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 wonders of electricity. 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 All right. Uh, so how's everyone's week been? Good. Yeah? Very cool. good. Snowy. Oh, you had Snowing, snow up yeah. there. Right. I, we, I saw some pics, yeah. Oh, my God. We had a blizzard of 2016 come out of nowhere. I thought we already had the blizzard of t- 2016. So did I. Well, <laughs> we not, did. Not, not, not this past Sunday, but the previous Sunday was negative one. This Sunday, it was 55 degrees. Go figure. It's been a flip-flop 180 all week. Yeah. So what'd you get? Like two feet of snow up there? We got a good two and a half foot of snow. Like I, really? my my, I was running the electrical company this week because my boss was on vacation in Mexico, and I actually closed down the company on Tuesday. It took me an hour and a half to clear my driveway just to get my van out, and I got halfway my first job. Said nope, I'm closing the company down and rescheduling. It was it was that bad. The, the major highways by us, they mm-hmm. closed down four of the major highways. Wow. And, um, Jeez. One of my wife's friends was stuck on a highway for six hours in her car before they opened it back up. Oh, my God. <sighs> Damn, I don't even know what I would do for six hours. I think my car wouldn't even have enough gas to last six hours. You'd probably be freezing, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll just be lighting everything up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So uh, I guess let me start. Uh. So, yeah, I flew on Saturday. I've been... I think in a previous podcast I mentioned that uh, you know one of the goals of this year is to get you know half pyro flips, pyro flips down. So I was practicing that. Um, did a bit on the sim, and then when I went to the field to practice, I was doing it on the oxy. Um, I had four packs, and I just basically just brought it up, you know, 100, 150 feet in the air, and just you know stir the sticks and just kind of do what I did on the uh, sim. And you know, after like a pack or two, I started getting. Uh, Start getting them down, and they would basically stay almost in one place. I, I do find myself having a little trouble with the negative portion of when I flip upside down. I give a little too much negative while I'm stirring the stick. You know, it kind of moves a little, but yeah, it was kind of staying in one general box area, which was uh, which made me really, really happy. Um, you know, and then from there, I was like, okay, let me try it on the Goblin 380, right? Like, let's build it up to the next level, uh, the next heli size. Right. And, um, you know, going half pyro into inverted was fine, but as soon as I went back from inverted to upright, um, the tail was wagging like 30, 40 degrees. And I couldn't really figure out why because, I mean, I I fly to heli, you know, the tail's pretty tuned and locked in. And, I, you know, I fly pretty hard doing like, you know, TikToks and I, I do a lot of, you know, collective on it and kind of just, you know, bang the sticks a little. And, and I never get wag and now I, I was getting some crazy amount of wag. Was the belt loose or anything? So I have my belt really tight. So that's one of the things I noticed. It's really tight. And I got some, you know, weird wear on the belt where, like, a couple of the fibers on the side of the belt I, I noticed was kind of rubbing off and uh. kind of peeling. So I think due to having the belt over and not having, like, the belt tensioner that they uh, – the aftermarket one that they make that SAB makes, 
Um, so yeah, I think I'm gonna do some upgrades. Uh, it's time to overall. I'm gonna replace the belt. I'm gonna get the belt tensioner. I'm gonna get the uh, the servo mounts, the aluminum ones, and get rid of the plastic ones. And then um, maybe a new motor. You know, just got the motor in from Chris, so that's gonna be nice to have that thousand kV um, thirty. Is it a thirty twenty? I think the size of a scorpion. And yes. then. Okay, yeah, and then um, I might, you know, change the uh, canopy and tail boom just because it's really faded, and it's not like there's anything wrong with it except that it's faded a little from the sun. But uh, I think I might want to change it up. I saw this guy who posted his uh, Kyle Stacy with it's all orange, and I think it's really awesome looking. So it's orange and black. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah, so I might do something like that with a little bit of green on, you know, where it says Goblin or being green. Um, so we'll see. Is that the scheme that uh, Chris had sent us pictures of? No, no, those no, were no. The, Those were my new ones. No, I think the one Steve's talking about, it was the Halo one, right? It had the Halo blades and it was it was all decked out in like a Halo scheme? No, no, it was just a regular Goblin, you know, factory scheme, but it was just basically orange and black. I think it was in the uh, Goblin Lover Facebook page or one of the you know, goblin-specific um, Facebook groups. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, new canopy and tail, that's going to cost me probably roughly about 100 bucks. So, you know, we'll see if the money is there for that. Um, I still need to get a bunch of Neos, so it might be after that. Oh, right. <clears throat> yeah, so after the $2,000 I spend on Neos. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, I also flew to Goblin 700. Um, it's almost tuned. I got that... Uh, Cyclic bobble for the most part out. There's a little bit on hard collective stuff, but uh, it seems to be gone. But the tail's not really holding as good as I like it, so I'll probably need to tune the tail stop and the tail gain a little bit better. Um, but yeah, you know, I was flipping that thing around and doing my normal routine, so um, I'm pretty happy with it with the V control. Yeah, um, I think I got some video of that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I didn't know you got a video. Yeah, it was maybe a minute or two. Oh, that's cool. One thing I want to also like configure on that is the bailout or the rescue um and i'll probably talk to you chris about that offline need to it's not it doesn't what do you call it um self-level self quick enough i want to make that quicker and the punch out is a little bit low like it only goes up like a couple feet two feet i think so i might want to turn up the cyclic punch out portion uh to be a little bit higher uh let's see what else the goblin 570 i flew that um i've always had some cyclic bobble when I do a little or a little head shake I, I call it when I do TikToks on it and you know it's a tri-blade setup so I definitely need to turn the cyclic gains down just you know it flies very well the way it is so I haven't really messed with it um, I'll probably wait till I get a Neo for that and then hopefully I won't have that problem or I'll just tune it out in the initial time uh, I did renew my AMA I did it for two years this time you know you get like 10 bucks off if you do it for two years so I figure you know, I'm so deep into this hobby, I'm going to need it anyway. So I did that. You're locked um, in. Yeah, I'm locked in for two years now. <laughs> um, you know, I can get my little magazine too. So uh, the FAA, I registered and I, you know, after I clicked that button, I felt very violated. And, <laughs> you know, I went into the bathroom and had a little, you know, crying game scene where I was just crying there, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know. I had to do it. Our club requires it. You know, I did what I had to do. 
and then I also paid my club dues for this year, so I'm squared away with that. So thanks, Bruce, if you listen. Uh, got that squared away. Yeah, Bruce was right on top of things. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, he sent me the thing, the you know renewal form, and he was like, yeah, so it's $50. And I was like, wait, but – and that's why I asked you, Kevin, how much did you pay? Oh, right. We, we joined at the exact same time. And he was like, well, actually, I don't really know when you joined. I didn't have any records of it. But if you said you joined when Kevin joined, then, you know, I'll just take for your word for it. So I ended up the renewal was only 30 bucks, which is good. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, so it's prorated. Um, so and also final thing I had to I did last uh, or this following week was um, since I had the V control and I didn't have a case for it. I have a case for my DX9. It's a. Horizon Hobby Spectrum case, um, but I didn't have one for the V control. So what I ended up doing was, I got a Pelican case that was being thrown away at work. It's a Pelican fourteen fifty, and there's no foam in it or anything. It was really dirty. I cleaned it all up, put some stickers on it, and then um, I needed to get some foam for it. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but um, so we got, I got a new bed ordered. It should hopefully be here this Thursday. Um, or actually the day before this podcast release. And then also we bought our daughter Chloe a new bed. And her old bed was one of those Ikea platform beds and just had a foam. Okay. So I figured, let me open this up and see what kind of foam is inside there. And it's actually pretty good dense foam. Um, I bought one of those electric uh, knives from Walmart. And I started hacking it up. <laughs> so those are the pictures I sent you guys. You probably saw in, uh, by text. And... You know, it's like the foam actually, you know, it's yellow. So that's, I'm going to have to paint it. It's not a big deal, but the the feel of the foam is great. Um, it had like those little, uh, I don't know what you call them, like little nubs or little mountain peak looking things. So, egg it, crate. yeah, the egg crate, exactly. And then, so it looks perfect on the top portion of the case. I cut, I basically sliced the foam in half to make, and I put two pieces on the bottom part so I could cut out the the one piece for the, the transmitter and then I'll just cut a little bit out for the, uh, the the handle part of the transmitter so it should fit fine I've uh, made some space that I'm gonna cut out for the the neck strap and also to carry the 3s or 4s uh, 1300 1400 milliamp batteries I use for the oxy so I kind of envision that like I'll be able to just grab the case grab my oxy go to the park do a couple of packs you know and, you know especially when uh, I'm not gonna make it out to the field and bring my bring all the helis and stuff. So, yeah, that's about it for me. Nice. Speaking like a true hobbyist, he cuts up an IKEA bed to make a transmitter <laughs> case. Yeah, that's man. awesome. Yeah, why, man? You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, I saw the pictures that of that, and I saw the top of the case with the egg crate style, and I was like, oh, geez, where did you get this case from? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that you did that. That's cool, man. Yeah, so I do have a lot of extra foam. If anybody needs some, just let me know and. I'll cut some pieces out for you. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, Kevin, what you been up to? Well, I flew with you um, on Saturday. Got a mm-hmm. chance to fly the Oxy to 380. My FT Spitfire brought out to the field and flew that, I think, once or twice. Yeah, it was good to see that out. Yeah. That plane. Yeah, it was funny. I think I tossed that in the air, and it kind of went kind of sideways. There was There was kind of a heavy wind coming from the left, and that thing, like, pulls to the left. So it was kind of like it pulled right into the wind and then shot straight up. And I remember, I think it was you or somebody was like, hey, when's the last time you flew that? I was like, I don't know. Right. Like last year. But yeah, it was, it was, that was really cool to fly, man. What an easy like lander. I mean, it was just floating. But yeah, man, I was, I've been dying to get out there. And I know we go 
heli heavy on a lot of these shows, but dude, I was dying to get out and try some of the stuff I've been working on on the sim on the Oxy and the 380. Yeah, man. And uh yeah, I was getting it I was getting it down like uh those flips I was trying and uh I did a barrel roll, I did a loop I think at one point. I don't mm-hmm. think I did a loop on Saturday, but uh I had a great time out there on Saturday. We were out there for most of the day. And then Sunday I had to help uh my sister-in-law would mount the TV. And then after that I got I had my batteries charged and I went to the local field. And I got a couple flights in there with my brother-in-law, and he was like thoroughly impressed because. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, the last time he saw he he saw me fly a helicopter was a four-channel helicopter, like fixed pitch around the backyard. So he was pretty impressed. Wait, is this the brother that um kind of got you started because of the whole Christmas thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he was telling everybody about it at dinner. He's like, "Yeah, he flipped it upside down. You had to see him flipping it this way, that way, upside down." So that was that was cool, and then Monday, man, I ran home and had some stuff charging on the job, and got a chance to go out to the local field and fly the oxy four more times uh, at the local like soccer field, man. And that's where awesome. I really kind of like went nuts. It was it was it was cool, man. Like I hadn't tried loops with the oxy, I don't think at that point, because I okay. really I don't know. There was a lot of wind on Saturday and Sunday at the PAL was it's kind of tight, so I didn't want to try anything crazy there. But then on Monday, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it and try some stuff. I did a couple loops. I was like, all right, this is cool. I did a couple punch outs where I was coming out of it, not tail in, not nose in, like kind of 90 degrees and back around. And I was laughing. I was having a good time, man. Awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I got to do that. So that was that was cool. Uh, and then, you know, rain. It's been raining today, so I didn't get a chance to do anything today except do some simming. Then I signed up with the FAA. Well, that was on Friday. I signed up with them because Saturday was the deadline, and we wanted to fly yeah. Saturday at the club. And I didn't know how they how crazy they were going to get. Like if they were going to, because we're not at our local field. We're kind of at a park where there's kids playing and people walking their dogs all over and stuff. And we're we're allowed to fly there, so I don't know if they were going to be real. I didn't know how how they were going to do it. You know, if they right. were going to be checking everybody and real strict. So I made sure I was signed up. Which, oh man, I was telling the story. It took me like an hour to sign up because I would fill out like one thing and I'd be like, this is the dumbest shit ever. I can't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, I took actual screenshots, man, because I did it on my work phone. And it was like the one, the one page is register my drone. Click the button to register your drone. Well, I thought we were resi- I wasn't registering my drone. I thought we were registering as pilots. So I took a right. picture of that. And then I took a after right before the pay button. There's a little checkbox that says I understand in accordance with federal law. And I was like screaming at the phone, "What law? What what law has <laughs> the has the FAA written the the organization that can't write a law?" I mean, we've talked mm-hmm. about it a million times. Right, right. So I was getting more than frustrated, dude. Yeah, yeah. From the text messages, it definitely seemed like you're like, "Oh man, I have enough for this crap." <laughs> yeah, and I can't just wait to get you know 20 more years older where I'm. Gonna be looking at them for health care. So should be should be an easy process by then. Like, oh, you yeah. know what? I, that's another thing that I, that dawned on me while I was doing this. You know, they said that the one of the government websites for for nationalized health care, I guess I'll call it, was was not working, and it was like five hundred million dollars. And I don't know what they spent on this FAA one, but it was pretty damn easy. Yeah, I mean, the health care has got to be definitely more 
Well, you're like signing HIPAA up and all this other like you know. No, privacy stuff. I, I don't think so. No, you're signing up, no pre-existing conditions, and you're in. I don't know what was the big. Huh. I don't. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Let's not get in that. Even though I bring it up <laughs> every damn time. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, and then last night, um, last night I fixed the 180. Oh, um, cool. So I got that back together. I don't know. I, I just kind of blew past that. <laughs> you know, it's been on the bench. Yeah. In repair for a couple of weeks. And I've been flying the hell out of the Oxy, man, and really having a good time with it. To the point where I think I'm going to bring my head speed up a little bit. Nice. Because I was, I dropped it down because it was, it was freaking me out. Because it was, you know, you remember the sound it was making? Yeah, it was screaming like an angry bird. But, yeah. you know, I love that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I might bring that up a little bit. And, dude, I was getting super comfortable with auto and at the end like to the point where i was just wasn't even thinking about it just hitting it floating it in no problem nice yeah it was it was good i was really making some progress dude loving it yeah i mean seeing you you know the week before two weeks before and then like i guess just from simming alone to then flying on saturday like you definitely made improvements and yeah, you know it's 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 just proof that like hey simming does help, so you know if you can bear with it and and handle the whole like lack of uh, death perception, you know do it. It's gonna help you in the long run. So yeah, and I think I said that last week where, you know, it was a chore. I I didn't want to do it. It was pain in the ass. I was crashing. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It was such a pain. And then like maybe a half an hour later, I was like, oh, this is actually clicking. And that's not like. The first time I picked up a sim, and then half an hour later, I mean, I've been, I've been simming with planes for a long time, so uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess it it all translates, you know, definitely. yeah, to a degree for sure, yeah, yeah, ah, cool. So I've been having a great time, dude. Nice. That's what it's all about. Yeah. All right, Chris. So uh, how's your week been? Well, not the like I said earlier with the weather and and running our electrical company twenty four seven this week while my bosses were on vacation. Not a Huge hobby week. Um, I learned one thing. If you have some PayPal balance, stay offline. <laughs> um, due to my love of Oxys, I'm still waiting on a Trek edition. I should have it in a week. I ordered it um, from Lynx, and they were back ordered with their mm-hmm. lunar holiday. So I'm still waiting on a Trek. But in the meantime, I was talking to Anthony, and he's got the Trek edition. So I ended up picking up the Oxy 285 stretch off him because I haven't tried a stretch version yet. Okay. And then I was going to turn that into a night machine. But it's too nice to dress up with lights and, you know, throw it on a shelf just to fly it a couple times a year. So I also picked up a used standard Oxy 255, which I'm going to kind of play with and turn into my night machine. Nice. Um, I also sent you guys some pictures, and I'll post some pictures once it's final. But um, I also caved and had Canamod make me four custom canopies. They're all the same design, different colors. They're going to be nicer. They're the the full carbon fiber ones, so they're not the fiberglass. Okay. So those should be pretty sweet. I'll post pictures once you know I get the final, you know, pictures back from Canamod. Mm-hmm. Um, not a ton of flying this week. Last weekend was the snow, and it started getting nice. And then I swear every time I thought I was home and ready to go fly, it, a service call came in. So <laughs> no, no flying last week. But I sent you guys a picture yesterday. I got out yesterday at two o'clock. It was fifty degrees out. I flew home. I had three oxy packs charged. I grabbed you know pocket full of batteries. I grabbed the oxy. I grabbed my V control. Flew to the park, and I, I managed three flights yesterday. Nice. Um, and just like you guys said, against better judgment, and I am still 110% against it, 
Um, I did register with the FAA. I figure for all the people that follow me out there and I share the hobby with, I've got to set yeah. a good, good example. So I, too, am also legal. As of right now, our club's not um, requiring it yet. I don't know which way we're going to go in the future, but uh-huh. um, I just want to be on top of the game for if and when the time comes. Yeah. So other than that, that was my week. It was, it was more of a work week than a hobby week. You know, I, I ordered some goodies, ordered some new machines. Um, it's just a family week and work week. Yeah. But, I mean, you did some, you know, dealing and wheeling or wheeling and dealing. You know, yeah. I mean, I got a whole bunch of stuff off of you. And, uh, and oh, Kevin also well, did, right. too. that's right, yeah. So, you know, you're still involved. <laughs> you did a lot of work on our website, too, which is awesome. We have that whole gallery now, which is amazing yeah thanks yeah so much I've, I've, been, I've been having i've been having fun with that nice fun little fun little side thing for me mm-hmm. and Sweet. i watched your 700 i think it was 700 no 770 goblin 770 maiden video last night i don't know i happen to be on youtube just sometimes you can get lost on youtube just clicking on to the next one and i i don't know how i came across it but i was like oh there's chris Ryber and his seven it was 770 right i think yeah yeah, yeah that's sure I, that one because you were saying it was the largest one you'd ever flown I, and I don't know what it is. It's my most liked video. It, it just hit yeah, a thousand. Like, it hit, yeah. hit, hit a hundred thousand views like a week ago. Wow. I don't. I don't know yep. why. I don't know if not a lot of people maybe did videos on a seven seventy, but I get more comments and questions about that video and that setup. And that was that was a fun machine. I didn't have it long because I sold it to buy the next thing. I think I went on to the E seven hundred Thunder Tigers or something. Mm-hmm. But it was a fun machine. I mean, I ran it in twelve S. Had like the big ultimate motor in it or something, but. Talk about floaty! That thing was a gentle giant, and that was that was a maiden flight. I mean, I went out there, did a couple pitch pumps, did a couple pyros, and just went on and had a full flight on it. And that was that was a really smooth machine. Yeah, looked it. Oh, I gotta check it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice video, man. Chris is real smooth with his flying. I'm starting to do some of the stuff I'm watching you do, Chris, on the sim. You do a lot of stuff like not tail and nose, and you kind of like do a lot of stuff side side to side, you know, with the side in, uh, and you got this one maneuver that well, I'll call it a maneuver, but uh, you come down the runway or you know down the flight line, and you just I guess you just pull back on the cyclic and flip the bird over and then just come back inverted back the same way. And I've been doing that on the sim, trying that that one out. That's the one Anthony likes. That's it's called a nose down wall. So basically, I'm going full tilt across the field, and uh-huh. you you actually dump forward forward elevator. And then you go back on a negative collective, and you just head the other direction. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see what you were doing at the very end. So you're going nose down and then yep. going negative. Okay. I'll do, like, the nose up um, wall, and then I'll go into, like, a bunny hop. But it's really fun because you're flying across the field, and you, you, get, you gain a little altitude. I mean, Burt Cameron will come across and just go right into the nose wall. I like to gain a little altitude in case I dump the sticks too hard. Sure, um, but it's fun because you're going you're going full tilt and you're just stopping the whole helicopter and then going back the other direction. Nice, nice, awesome. So we got our main topic here: uh, the wonders of electricity. And for folks that are curious what that's going to be about, it's basically about batteries and chargers. You know, electricity is it's the magic, right? I mean, you know. We yeah. can't really see electricity. It's there. <laughs> it can burn stuff. It can power stuff. But we don't really, you know, see things. And it's just, it's kind of good to get down to basics and talk about the different battery types, um, you know, stuff on how we do our charging, what C rating is, and and t- stuff like that. So um, this is actually going to be interesting that Chris is on because 
from my point of view because I'm a low voltage guy, and I know Chris is a an electrician, like a residential, right, Chris, or commercial residential yeah, electrician? Yeah, you you can't always see electricity, but I can tell you firsthand after 13 years, you can feel it. Oh yeah, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in the day when I used to mess with Christmas lights <laughs> during the holidays, <laughs> I got a couple numbed feelings, you know, in my hands. Um, but yeah. Um, so the first, I mean, this is old school NICADs, um, old school technology, kind of, I don't know, I think they're what, like 1.5 volts per cell? And they're basically like little, a little bit smaller than C-sized batteries, but they're kind of that type of round C-cell, uh, C-sized batteries. They're really heavy. In my opinion, they're very low power output because that, I think they're only 1.5 volts. So you have to really pack a lot of them together to get like a decent amount of voltage. So there's, you know, on the common side it was six cell or seven cell. Right. I don't even know what the C rating was of those things. Um, I don't even know if they ever counted C rating back then. But I know milliamp wise, it kind of like was. I think it was like around two thousand for a six cell. I think I remember. I don't know. Um, I know that as the time went by, NICADs they started making better cells and a little bit more milliamps in the same size but yeah it's just really outdated battery technology at this point and then the next one that kind of comes in this is the most common ones for rc is lipos so lithium polymer batteries they're definitely smaller in size than nicads um they had really pretty good um you know milliamp per hour capacity available so you could, and there's a big range of them too right you could get from like what a single cell 100 milliamp all the way up to you know i know they had for multi-rotors they have some like 3s 10,000 milliamp battery packs say, yeah 10,000 so yep. you know and the helicopters it's you know on the average or you know the bigger helis you're running 5,000s whether it's 6s or 12s or even bigger or 14s the, the output of a of a lipo battery and as far as the c rating is pretty insane um what is it i think so I mean, we could go into a little bit about C rating now. You know, I think basically C rating is like how many amps per hour it can push out of the battery pack. And, you know, if you have like, say, we'll do easy numbers, like a 1,000 milliamp battery, one cell, you know, you're pushing out or not, doesn't really matter the cell count, but, you know, say just whatever, 1,000 milliamp and it could do one C, that's one amp it could push out. You know, most of the batteries can do 30 to maybe 45C, so that 1,000 milliamp battery can push out, you know, 30 amps. So that's a lot of power in a you know short amount of time to push out. So why did they come up with C, and why didn't they just say amps per? I mean, it's amps per hour when you when you look at 1,000 milliamps. So what the, what is the C rating for? Just how many or how fast it can go in and out? I'm not sure why they name it C. I'm thinking of it in in, in respect to like plumbing where you have you have a tank that's a thousand whatever large and the c ratings how large your 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 drain is or how how large your pipe is yeah i think so (laughs) that's the way i always was taught um and kind of to kind of relate beginning electronics with with you know with uh ohm's law and voltage and, and current and amperage and all that stuff well current and amperage are the same thing but just looking online real quick just to kind of so it doesn't actually tell us tell me why it's called c as far as i can tell it's just a c rating is a measure of the rate at which battery is being discharged but it doesn't say why or what why c it's called means. c 
Yeah. Well, I guess you would have your amperage is mm-hmm. your, your milliamps, and you have your amp hour. Right. C is really how many amps you can pull out of safely out of the battery, I would think. Yeah. yeah I mean, that makes sense. Maybe it's uh, something in relation to DC. Maybe, Maybe. it stands like for current. current. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right? Because it's cur- when you talk about current, you're talking about amperage, right? Yeah. So there you go. I'm, I'm, I mean, don't quote us on it, but I think that's what it probably stands for. I mean, out of the three of us, you probably have, like, the most knowledge as, as to, like, I just plug the stuff in and I just charge it 2C, which is, that's why that's why I bring it up, is because it's kind of confusing when you first, first start. Yeah. You, know, you buy a battery and it's 1,000 milliamp. It's a 3S battery. First mm-hmm. of all, you got the cells, which you're like, okay, uh, that guy guessed 3S is what I'm going with. You know, you look at the recommendations, if, especially with, like, the way we got into it, into it with the flight test models and stuff like that. Like, I remember the first couple uh, models I built, they recommended 502S and 503S. Okay, I didn't know what the difference was. I looked, okay, mm-hmm. cells, it makes you know, more more voltage. Okay, that makes sense. Right. I understand that. But then that didn't even, that was for, like, their first three beginning models, and then the rest were all, all larger batteries. I kind of bought those and then never used them. But then when you go to charge them, yeah, you're like, okay, now you're charging and you're putting in you're putting in your your cells, which is easy. But then you have to put in you know your charge rate, right? Your, your charge, rate. charge rate. Mm-hmm. So when I first started charging, I mean, I think I was char- I didn't know what to put in. Like I think yeah. I, you could put in. I didn't know. I didn't know that two C meant double whatever your pack is. Like if you have an eight hundred milliamp hour battery, uh, and you want to charge at two C, you should be charging at you know sixteen. Or one one point six amps, right? Yeah. And that's a mistake I made because I thought C was like, oh, I could charge it two C, and I thought it was amps, so I could charge it two amps no matter the size of the battery pack, right? Which is totally incorrect, right? No, so, yeah. If you have you know, a small you, battery like a five hundred milliamp hour, exactly. So five hundred two C is only one amp, you know, and easily. You know, someone can make the mistake and say, oh, okay, two amps, and now you're charging really at 4C, and if that battery can't handle it, if it's a cheap pack, you know, you're going to have a little lipo fire on your hands. Right, which being a beginner, you don't really want to see fire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that'll definitely discourage you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everybody, that was the thing. Everybody kept saying, you got to charge, you know, I charge at 2C most of the time, and I'm, I'm looking at the charger, and it's got, okay, 3S, and then the next thing is amps. I'm like, all right, well, where's the C? Where, yeah. where does the C come in? Where's the C button? You know, how many? Right, right. How do I set C's? <laughs> and, and you know, some chargers, like, the, you know, especially like the cheaper ones, um, they don't actually let you set exactly the C rating you want or the amps you want. They'll kind of like have presets like 0.5, 1, 1.7. Like, I know the charger Jeff had, the uh, Onyx one. Yeah, the duo, the one that has two chargers. It was like that, where he was like, "Okay, I have a twenty-two hundred pack. I want to charge it two C, but it doesn't give me, you know, four point four amps. I could charge it at three or five, you know. So it's like, okay, what do you pick? Do you pick the lower number? I mean, to be safer, you know. What yeah. do you guys recommend? I mean, for me, I charge at home everything one C." And then at the field, I charge everything to C just because I want to, you know, a little bit quicker charge time. Um, what do you guys do for your charging C rate? I'm I'm two C for everything I do um, at home. I've always gone by two C. You can't really go wrong. The beta, I fly all pulse, so they're rated for it. Okay. Um, so if at home two C, so take the milliamp 
like Kevin said, double it. So I fly, you know, the 1300s on the, the, um, the oxys. So I round up to 2.6 and I round up to three amps. So I'm about, you know, 2.2 C the 5,000 milliamp packs. I'm charging those at, uh, at was it two two c so that's 10 amps um okay. at the field when i was out with my dad a few weeks ago i wanted to charge the oxy packs quick and get more flights in so i went up to three c okay um you know it's crazy kyle's got the crazy charger at the field and, the, and a generator mm-hmm. i've watched him go like 10 c i mean he can charge a wow. stick pack Jeez. in like 15 minutes and I mean, I watch him fly these pulse packs for years before I was sponsored, and mm-hmm. he beats a snot out of them, and they can handle it. So I think the factory ratings on it to protect the manufacturer if we do something and you know overcharge them and, and blow them up. But right. I, Kyle goes, you know, five to ten C if he's out there practicing, he needs to get quick, you know, flights in. But mm-hmm. I, I live by two C at home, and then if I'm in a rush at the field, sometimes I go three or four if they're not packs I really care that much about. If they're just like fun flying packs, but two C for me. You can't go wrong. It's a, it's a not too high, not too low, um, and it knocks minutes off your charge time too. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much two C. I have a lot of batteries. I love flying that that Beaver and the Crack Pits, and both of those take one's an 800 milliamp two S, one's an 800 milliamp three S, mm-hmm. and so I have I think I have six or seven batteries of each um, that are good, and a lot of times I'll get three of those at a shot. And what I've been doing lately is mainly sticking around 4.4 amps or 4 amps. Uh, so if I have three of those, you know, that works out to like to 2C on, on three of those is like 4.8. So a lot of times I'll just leave it 4.4. I'll charge it at that. Mm-hmm. If I have two 2200s or one 2200, you know, I'm charging it at 4.4. If I have the – I'll do the same thing that Chris does with the Oxy batteries and my little chargers can't really handle the – the goblin batteries at at like doubled up or you know more than two C. Okay. So I'll do those at two C. So it's kind of funny talking about C rating because there's actually two numbers, right? Like you have your discharge C rating, what the battery can output, and then you have your charging C rating. Um, you know, in theory, why can't you charge as fast as it can discharge? Yeah, that's another good point, man, because when you're a beginner or a new guy, you're like, okay, it, it says right on the pack 25. I know, and I've looked at that. Mm-hmm. You know, it says on the pack 20C. Okay, so yeah. why can't I charge at 20C? Right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's something funny. I don't know. We sh- I w- wish we could get a professional, uh, you know, person in battery technology to kind of clarify on this for us. You want to say have, something, Chris? Yeah, have you guys uh, dabbled in parallel charging at all? Yes. I want to go into that definitely. I... Try to parallel charge as much as possible. I've 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 kind of always been against it because I didn't really know the technology behind it. But the mm-hmm. one ch- <clears throat> the one charge case, um, the guys at um, Rotocraft RC they set up my and we'll go into the charge case later. But mm-hmm. they set up that's that's dual channels and they put dual balance boards on each each channel. So I have a total of four four possible uh, leads. And I've never done it with the the nice expensive. Goblin packs. I want to keep those as nice as possible. But with the the oxy packs, you know, it's twenty bucks a pack. I don't care if I do something wrong. So two weeks ago, when my dad and I were out the field, I uh, I fly the same same flight. I usually fly the same type of flying. Fly to the timer. So yeah. I actually balance charge for the first time. And I like like the guys taught me at Rotocraft RC. You know, I had my two little four S packs, and uh, I plugged them in a balance board, let them kind of neutral themselves out for a few minutes, and and hit the charger and it was nice i mean same charge rate and 
two packs for the same same time. So that's my first time balancing, uh, doing balance charging. I just wondered if you guys had experience with it. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying with the eight hundred milliamp hour batteries that I fly uh, for those two planes. I'll I'll do three at a time. Like I'll charge three to that. And usually, if if you're like you said, if you're doing the same kind of um, kind of flying, mm-hmm. and uh, you stick to the timer more or less, you know, you can come come away with similar like percentage left the the standing voltage right yeah so for me it, they're usually around 30 30 percent and uh mm-hmm. just i'll put them i don't even i don't even wait that long i like plug them in and just start charging like i don't let them balance out but they're usually usually roughly around the same percentage like 30 31 yeah i mean the main thing is i recommend never go by the quote-unquote air quote here fuel gauge percentage like what your little, you know, uh, battery checker says, hey, 20%, 30%. I go by voltage. And I, I recommend you looking at the actual voltage per cell and going by that. Then over, okay, well, this battery says 30%, and so does this battery say 30%. Well, what I do, since since we talked about that once already, man, what I'll do is I'll, I'll look at the percentage first because it's the first thing that pops up. And then mm-hmm. I'll just go through each cell, you know, yeah. look at those just to make sure yeah. nothing's like real crazy. Yeah, nothing's gone out of balance, right? Yeah. That, that happens with batteries as they get older and they start degrading. So definitely a good idea. I only do balance charge like maybe once or twice a year, like like doing an actual balance charge on it. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, and oh. maybe I'll do a storage if I know I'm not like if I'm going on vacation, I'll do a storage charge on some of the mm-hmm. some of the more expensive batteries. Wow. And then that makes it easier when you come back. You know, because you're they're all like forty six percent. You can yeah. you can double them up and like get them charged pretty quick. Yeah. So um, just to explain, and now the C rating, parallel charging, all that stuff is so highly debatable. Like some people say you shouldn't parallel charge. Some people say it doesn't hurt the battery. Some people say you could charge up to four to six C depending on the you know the brand of the packs and and for the most part packs don't tell you how much they can be charged at. I think E Flight's the only one that I've seen that say two C charge rate on the actual pack. They usually only have the discharge uh, C rating. So that's definitely something to note for any of our listeners that are new. Um you know maybe look up the manufacturer if there's no C rating for charging on the packs to make sure you're not you know unsafely charging the packs at a high C rate or high amperage. Um, as far as parallel charging now, what we're do- basically talking about is you're taking, it has to be the same cell count. You cannot parallel charge a 3S and a 4S together. And what parallel charging is, is you're basically combining the packs as one big pack. So you're fooling your your charger to think that instead of, say, a 6S 5000 and you have two of them, now you have a 6S 10,000. And that's what the charger will see. Um, the charger will also notice the voltage, right? Because that's how the charger charges these packs is that it just pushes volt, it just push, pushes, you know, uh, current into the packs through the main lead until it reaches a certain voltage where then it starts to balance charge the rest. And that's why it's kind of funny that, you know, Kevin, you tell me that you don't use parallel, I mean, uh, balance charging. Every time I charge is ba- balance charging. I know I never do fast charge. I never do regular charge. I always do balance because at the end of that charge, I want each cell to equal 4.2 volts. I don't want any, you know, variations. I have the two chargers. I have one that's real cheap, and then I have the Thunder mm-hmm. Power one. 
One of them has an actual char- balance charge menu. Okay. So maybe the other one is doing balance charge all the time, and I just don't know it. One of them definitely has storage, fast mm-hmm. charge, balance charge. I've seen all of those three menus come up. I think mm-hmm. it's the cheaper one. Okay. Maybe I just haven't gotten into the menus. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or maybe maybe it doesn't state that it's balance charging, but with lipos, you want a balance charge. Yeah, I would think. I mean, you're you're plugging in those leads, and uh, you know, I would think it's balance charging the whole time. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to say about those the breakout boards is a lot of people might not understand how those work. They're all you have. Basically, uh, you can buy the aftermarket like kind of breakout boards where you plug in your main power, positive and negative, and that goes to your either your Dean's connectors or your XT60s that are on those boards. And then you have your one through well, it's usually two through six S. Yeah, um, two through six. Yep. Balance uh, break. Your balancing ports. Breakouts. Yeah, and yeah. you'll have six of those. Those are all wired parallel together. Yes. So if you plugged if you plugged one in. One way and one in the other way, you're actually going to fry something because you've you've now done positive to negative. Yes, and I've done that. I've uh, burnt out a trace out of my I think it was um, Progressive RCs, my balancing board, and you know I did it by mistake. Didn't really even realize I did it, and then I noticed that when I plug in my uh, balancing port on the right side of the board, my charger says no balancing port. Yeah, and I was like, what's going on? You know, I call it Progressive, or I, I think I, I bought it off of eBay's, uh, Progressive's eBay store. So I messaged them and said, oh, you know, I, I don't know. For some reason, the right side is not working. And they're like, yeah, you probably plugged in a you know, balancing port backwards or just enough to just like short it and burnt out a trace. And sure enough, and, and they just told me, open it up and take a look. Sure enough, I open it up and I see a trace just burnt right out. So it's an easy fix. You actually just take a little bit of a wire, like a serial lead wire or something small, and you just jump it. You just jump the burnt part and okay. solder that on, and that was it. And yeah, because that's, it. that's super low current. That's just like a monitoring current. Yeah, that's a, it's about, I think, the most they push through that is one amp, I think. Probably, yeah, because you can actually charge on that, too. Yes, you can charge on it, but it would be super slow. <laughs> Yeah, it's like overnight charging. I did the same thing <laughs> uh, where I plugged in one one way and one the other way, and I burnt out a pin. And it's easy to mess it up because if you actually, I mean, depending on the board you have, the one that, you know, the progressive one I have, um, all the balancing ports go in one way, and then on the other side, they go in the opposite, the opposite way. way. Yep. Yeah, so so it's definitely be mindful. Look at the little tabs that are on your balancing port to make sure you're, you're, you're plugged, make sure that you're right in the correctly so but um yeah so basically the charger will see it as one big battery right because your balance board takes care of the wiring aspect of it so it wires all the cells one through say six all together then your main two positive and negative leads are all together too and then your ground for your balancing um port is also you know all grounded together so when you look at your charger it'll see it as one now i always try to do um, power charging just because of the time that it saves. You're basically saving, you know, 50% of the time or, or whatever. Like if you charge one battery, it takes 30 minutes. You could charge two at 30 minutes. Uh, one thing to note with that, though, is about the, you know, or the two things. It's the cell count has to be the same, like I mentioned. And the second is the voltage of each cell has to be relatively close. And what I mean by that is by 0.5 of a volt. I don't if it's anything further than that, 
what you can do is what um, Chris was mentioning is you. I think Chris mentioned it, or you, Kevin. You plug in a balancing port first, and you let it sit for a couple of minutes. And what that does is, if a cell is higher than the uh, other cell that is plugged into or parallelly connected to, it's going to actually middle itself out. So kind of like one battery will charge the other battery until the voltage reaches the same level where one's not stronger than the other, so it can't push. Kind of like a you know like a weighing system where if the weights are exactly the same, it'll just kind of sit balance together so and then at that point you plug in your main leads and then go for it and you know you can you can charge a lot of packs i do about four to sometimes six 1300s or 1500 um 3s packs for the oxy and i charge them all in one shot at 2c and in like 30 minutes boom i have six packs ready to go now see that's something i can't do because i still have the little chargers I don't have the 12 volt input. I'm still using the the little AC to 12 volt converter that's in the little tiny chargers. Yeah. So the max amperage I can go at is like roughly five six amps, maybe. I yeah. know at six my my thunder power will will, will reboot, like it will shut off. So the max I can go. So I couldn't charge because what are you talking about? You're. I would do math real quick here, but um, you're talking about. Uh, so let's just say. I have six packs, and I'm say they're at a thousand. Say they're at a thousand, a piece. Okay, so that's six thousand. You're going to charge at two yeah. C, so that's 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 twelve twelve thousand. Yeah, or twelve that's amps. Twelve amps. Yeah. yeah. So that's so, double what I could do. Mm-hmm. So you're how are you doing that? I don't actually. I can't go up to twelve amps. About nine amps or ten amps is the most I can go. Okay. Um, so depending if it's like you know. I'm, I'm, it's only once in a while I'll have all six batteries at the same right. level to charge them all together. But on the norm, like three to four batteries, you know, and that's easy enough to do. So I can run them at nine, ten amps and just get them all done. Um, one of the other things that I know a lot of people debate about is that they all have to be the same milliamp size. That is incorrect. You, As long as they're the same cell count, I charge 1350s. Um, fifteen hundred, even twenty two hundreds, all together. As long as they're all three S, and they're all at around the same voltage, you know, three point eight or whatever the uh, resting voltage is. So, um, you know, the charger doesn't care. Electricity doesn't care. What it does is it just pushes out current, and it all balances itself out because they all end up at four point two volts. Right. So it doesn't matter if one battery is bigger and can take more capacity. It'll just keep juicing that battery some more. You know. I was scared to do it at first, and I used to watch my charger like a hawk. Just okay, you know, is something gonna go wrong. But you know, after after a while, you just you know, you kind of like okay, I don't have to keep a, that close of an eye on it. It'll do its thing, and then I trust the charger to do its thing. So, right now, what are lifeies? <laughs> okay, so life packs or lifeies. Um, it's basically a different chemical compound. I think it's um. It's, it's almost like uh, lithium-ion, I think. They're a little bit safer batteries, I think. But uh, the, the main thing that I've noticed looking up some information about LIFE packs is uh, uh, that their starting voltage is actually lower. So like a fully charged LiPo would be 4.2. You could fully charge a LIFE pack and it'll be 4.2, but it immediately drops down to like 3.6. But the thing is, is that on a LiPo, if you actually look at the discharge, as you're discharging over time, <clears throat> the voltage is like a steady decline. Okay. So 
as you're using the capacity of the pack, it's just you see from 4.2, it's just steadily going down to say 3.74, um, which is 20%. Now, with a LIFI pack, it starts at a little bit lower um, actual resting voltage, but what ends up happening is that it stays at that resting voltage a lot longer. So you'll see 3.6 during your you know as your flight goes on and on and on and then eventually you'll start seeing at the end of the you know milliamps use the uh the voltage start dropping down you know to three two or, or three four or whatever it is so that's the main difference i've seen and what i've seen lifey packs mainly used for are for transmitter batteries and for receiver packs they still use lipos for receiver packs i know you could get a nice pulse you know 850 or 2250 as a receiver pack, a two cell. But, um, you know, LIFEs are also used for, for that. They're not as popular as LiPo, though, for sure. Yeah, those are probably used in what, like uh, gas planes and helis? Um, yeah. When I you mean, say I, a receiver I feel, pack? I feel, I feel most heli folks still, you know, will go with the LiPo just because they can, you know, it's kind of, their charges already set for it, it's kind of easier. But, um, yeah, I would say for nitro, especially nitro planes, and, you know, for some folks to use it in the receiver, um, not the receiver, the transmitter, the radios to just kind of have that, you know, different type of uh, technology. I think it's a little bit safer, too. That's one thing about lipos. They're, they can be uh, quite dangerous if, you know, they're improperly handled. I dabbled in the LFIE pack once. I'm, I had a Thunder Tiger E700. I wanted to give one a try because I didn't have a BEC. Mm-hmm. They're, they're nice. It worked great. Like you said, it holds a charge longer. Problem is, after, you know, going out to the field a couple of times, it says, man, I got to charge my flight packs and the LFIE pack. So yeah. I ended up just getting rid of it and buying a BEC because then it's mm-hmm. not it's not another extra battery to charge. Um, yeah. I did like it. it. It was small. It was thin. Yeah, um, and I I got a bunch of flights out of it. It's just, it's it just a pain in the butt having to charge. I'm a BC guy, so mm-hmm. it was it was a pain having to charge another pack. Um, I ended up sticking it when I had my 14 SG. Um, I ended up sticking to my transmitter, and they work they work awesome in transmitters. Yeah. Hmm. When you when you said something about uh, you know that lipos can be dangerous when they're neglected or mishandled. Mm-hmm. I've neglected and mishandled a couple now for like two years. I got them just sitting in a bucket, kind of closer to my neighbor's house than my house. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, oh, I just want to see what's. What, I just want to see what's going to happen. They're definitely dead, or they. Some I think one of them was from when I smashed the Vigan into the pole, and uh, okay, a couple years yeah. ago, and mangled that battery. Um, yeah, pancaked it. I can remember driving home from the field with a smashed battery on my passenger side. You know, seat with the window down and ready just to just case. just in case uh-huh. throw it out the window if it bursts into flames. But I've never seen this now. I've never seen it yet. I know that it can definitely happen if you're not charging it correctly. They say that's yes. the, the big the big problem. But they also I've also heard stories of you know if it's charged up to max and you leave it for a long time, or if it's discharged all the way down to zero and you leave it for a long time. There's there's possibilities that it can spontaneously combust i don't know I, like i said yeah. i haven't seen it now because my bucket's still sitting there and mm-hmm. my neighbor's house is still there and, <laughs> and he hasn't called the police or anything like that so i don't know i haven't i haven't seen it i've been trying to take better care of the batteries i have yeah. uh I've, for a while there i kind of had them all in the same kind of like toolbox and i'm getting more lipo safe bags to store them in but i, I don't know have, have you guys ever heard of a charged or discharged battery like bursting into flames 
tech technology's gotten a lot better on the batteries. I remember yeah. a couple of years ago, I used to fly the Volts packs, and, and the silver Volts packs were nice. I think they were kind of like the second generation, but I remember the first generation Volts packs. I, I flew the red ones with my 450, like T-Rexes, and man, if you flew past a timer or if you beat the snot out of those, they would come down as puffy as a pillow, and they eventually go back down, but over time, memory, they just stay puffed. Yeah. Um, so you definitely lose some flight time there. Um, never had one blow up, and I remember back before my good chargers, back when I used to still have like the charger I'd charge the RC cars with, I remember one time I'm charging, and I used, I'm, I'm big about sitting in the same room. I will never leave my charger unattended, so I'm, I'm always in the same room, and I remember one day I'm on the couch, the charger's behind me, and I, I just happen to glance over, and I see the pack like almost double the size. Ooh. I look down, I go, what the hell's going on? It was, it, it was one of the old Volts packs. I go, why, why is this? Now, I'm charging normal, you know, two seer, whatever. I look down, mm-hmm. I had it set for NICAD. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. Because that charger is stupid. At least nowadays, I, I fly all the eye chargers, so they are all pre programmed. Mm-hmm. Well, with this old charger, every time you plugged it in, you had to tell it what type of battery it was, whether it was a NICAD, lithium ion, or LiPo. Mm-hmm. And LiPo technology to me was still new. And, you know, a little brain fart. I had a NICAD. I look over, and that thing was swelled. It was warm. Wow. I took that thing right outside and threw it in my, you know, my fire safe. And, and actually sat with it a few times, and I probably got another 5, 10 flights on it until it started losing its life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the closest I ever came to actually smoking a pack. I've never had one catch on fire. Like I said, I puffed a few of the old Turnages and the, and the Volts packs. But, you know, today's technology and – yes. I've never had an issue with Pulse packs, and even before Pulse, I was flying the Thor packs, and mm-hmm. they were actually rebranded Volts packs. And to this day, my dad still has two of my old 5,000 Thor packs, and that was from two seasons ago, and they're still going strong. Wow, nice. So, I mean, with with lipos, they, you know, th- there's so much electricity, there's so much like potential energy inside a fully charged pack that, um, you know, eventually. You you know it needs to discharge. It wants to get to like a you know it doesn't want to be at full capacity that whole time. It just kind of you know it's like really gassy. You know just think of it, it's like really stuffed and just like it needs relief. <laughs> so um, you know packs when they're fully charged and when they're f- also low voltage discharge, the actual chemicals inside there are volatile. Like they're kind of like you know they're not really relaxing and just waiting for it to be charged up and used it's kind of like the cells the little chemicals in there are bouncing off each other like crazy off the different you know laminate um the lithium polymer laminates inside there that makes the the battery up so usually like that's why storage charge is important like because that's like where that's you know the battery's in a happy place the chemicals inside the batteries are in a happy place now when you're charging these you know you're feeding in electricity and I guess, you know, you know, if you have the wrong setting, ooh, that's real bad because there's no balancing. It's just constantly shooting juice at it and it gets heat. It generates heat. It starts to puff. Um, I saw on Facebook today, um, someone posted on the, the flight test fan page, say, you know, had a little lipo fire from charging. I did and, see that too. Yeah. And and I was, you know, like I didn't ask him, you know, was I'm, I was, but I'm wondering, like, what was he doing because – you know, knock on wood, I've I charge a two C, one C, whatever, and I've charged like packs that are kind of questionable. Like, ooh, it's a little bit pancake from a crash, but I don't know. Let's see, does it hold a charge? Okay, it's holding a cell voltage. Let's charge it up a little, really slow at one C. Hey, it charged. It 
balanced out. I flew it, you know. Um, and, you know, knock on wood, you know, I've never had a battery light on fire through charging or just sitting there. I've done the same thing, but I have recovered packs that my charger said was too low to charge by yes. connecting another one with it and oh, then okay. charging them both up. And I think that I don't even think I puffed it, but uh, it was down like 9% or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, to charge it back up. I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't use that in anything you know, brand new or anything, but for like some yeah. of the flight test stuff, I think I'm yeah. still using that battery. Yeah. I remember the E-Flight ones. They used to come with like the Blade 450 and the Blade 300 X mm-hmm. and stuff. When you use a little cheap, you know, field charger that they used to send you, if you flew that below its, you know, resting value, it would not, the charger would not pick up on it. So that's when I bought my, you know, and then I bumped up to like a passport charger or something from the hobby store. And okay. that's how, that's how I had to bring those back to life. So the e-flight charger would say, "Nope, I'm not charging myself." But a better, better charger would bring it back to life. It's just once you drop below a certain level, those cheapy little, you know, travel chargers wouldn't do the deed. Mm-hmm. The, the the best analogy, you know, Kyle taught me once at the field or told me is is think of a charged light bulb like a tightly wound rubber band. It's it's yeah, it's 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 constantly there. So if you're leaving packs charged for a long time or you're not using them, it, it's tight and something could eventually fail. And mm-hmm. when it's when it's a resting value or storage charge. You know, it's it's like a loose rubber band, all all safe. So I try. Yeah. If, if I'm gonna fly, I mean, I'm I guess I'm kind of bad about it sometimes. It's it's with me with my schedule and the kids. I don't know when I'm gonna fly. So sometimes I'll go, you know, two weeks with my batteries charged. But if it's if it's longer than two weeks, I'll go out in the driveway, you know, hover some packs out or put them back in storage charge. Yeah, yeah. I would say two weeks is probably the most um, I would go with a fully charged pack and. Um, you know, I, 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 I've been really bad with pack management and just, you know, storage charging or anything like sometimes, you know, I'll just kind of leave it and be like, Oh, can't, you know, I want to fly this weekend. I start charging the packs, you know, two days before or a night before and then come find out like, Oh crap, I can't go. It started to rain or something. And then I just leave the batteries and I don't like, I live in an apartment building. I don't have a safe place to put them really outside or or anywhere so it's basically sitting in an ammo case open in my living room which is really bad but i got renter's insurance um (laughs) (laughs) no but um you know so one of the things that i i definitely uh recommend is is i think we spoke about the last episode it's like if you're not gonna fly you know 90 percent of chargers have like a discharge feature so you could bring them back down to safe voltage it might take a while but it's definitely recommended that if you know two three weeks, definitely you're gonna you're gonna burn out the pack if you don't discharge them, and they're not gonna hold the capacity. They're not gonna give you the C rating, the punch that you need. Um, we'll kind of go into the whole internal resistance stuff, and and that kind of just messes things up for the pack. And you know, you yeah, if you get a cheap pack for ten bucks, you might not care so much about it. But you know. This hobby is expensive as it is. Even for ten dollars, if you're replacing packs every six months, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, these packs should last you at least, I would say, fifty to hundred cycles, at least. You know, even you know, depending obviously on the manufacturer, like some of the Chinese like off-brand stuff that just doesn't have the quality uh, control. You know, they probably will puff up quicker. Nanotechs. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, oh, one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, what happens when you over-discharge a LiPo? 
So so you go down to it and it's like, oh, crap, it's 3.6 volts. It's really low. You know, I was hitting low voltage, whatever, on my ESC, and I didn't notice I was having such a fun time flying this plane. And, you know, it basically just fell out of the air because I lost, you know, the battery and I drained it completely, almost completely empty. This is a trick I've done. I don't recommend anyone, but my LiPo charger will not charge a battery that's below, I think, 3.6. It just says voltage too low to charge and i've recovered packs and i'm coming i kind of apprehensive to say this on the show but i mean you know it worked for me if you want to take a risk you know don't try this at home but if you want to take the risk you can charge a lipo battery back to 3.7 and i would only recommend going up 3.7 using the nightcat setting the nightcat setting won't check for balancing and won't care how low voltage the the pack is so if you set your like nightcat you know charger like usually you could kind of set the voltage on that and or just watch it as it goes up you know with a fire extinguisher in your hand with a fire extinguisher <laughs> and a battery checker right next to you. you you start charging it up give it five minutes stop the charge see where it's at oh it's 3.65 still not enough you know maybe do it for another five minutes and then once it's around that 3.7 mark which is a 15 to 20 percent mark then Put it back to balance charging on lipo setting, and it'll charge all the way back up. It's it's a trick that I I learned because you know I was terrible. You know what it was? It was a DX6i. I blame you, DX6i, because the tr- the timer you had to hit with a switch, and I always forget to hit it. So you know I chuck a plane here. I'm having fun. Next thing I know, oh the engine stopped. Oh oh it's falling out of the air. You know it's because I drained the battery completely empty. So. So where did you learn that trick at the uh, Black Magic Hobby Shop? I mean, <laughs> dude, I was gonna say don't do what I was doing by hooking two batteries together and then charging from there. But dude, that's a I don't I definitely wouldn't recommend that. Don't don't try that, kids. Unless you own the house. Yeah, or you do it outside, or no. I mean, it, it works. It worked for me, and I think Jeff had the same issue once too, where he overdistributed. He was like, "Oh no, I can't, I can't charge this battery." It's like I've only had two cycles on this battery, and I gotta throw it away. It's like. No, I don't be like, yo, just watch the battery, but do this and it'll work. And it did work for him, too. With with caution, folks, don't be like, hey, Steve said he could do this. I charged it up to 4.5 volts and started a fire. You know, like within reason to get it just to that point where your charger can now recognize it and, and properly charge that. So those cells back up. If, if, you, if you've got a good quality battery and a, you know, a really nice charger... You can make that mistake a few times. I think it was two seasons ago. Um, I was reviewing the Blade 300 CFX before it came out, and I was just doing flight after flight after flight. I think mm-hmm. I put like 185 flights on that machine, and um, wow. I had I had I had brand new pulse packs of 1350s I use on the Oxy, and I bought for. I'm really good about using those little battery slider checkers that I have on all my batteries that, that you guys have now. Yeah. And um, what's funny is I was out testing one day. And I was back-to-back flying, so I forgot to slide them to, to red to say that they were dead. So mm-hmm. you know, a couple days later, I get to work early. I go back to the field, and I never go down to 20%. I'm really good with my flight timer to where I always fly down to about 30%. So I still have about a minute of flight if I'm messing around or, mm-hmm. or not flying as hard. So I fly six six flights back-to-back, and they're newer, newer pulse packs. Went home. Next couple days, I go back out there. Flight after flight, all six packs – the, 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 the 300 CFX is coming down out of the sky at like two and a half minutes. I go, what the heck's going on? Uh-oh. I get home, 
And this is when I had the old Hyperion charger. So it didn't tell me cell voltage. It told me pack percentage. Okay. And out of those six packs, they all range between two to 7%. And I'm like, oh, my God. I was flying dead packs because I never yeah. slid the charger over. Um, so I put them back on a charger, lowered the C rating, and you know, got them all back up to normal charge. And I probably put another good close to 80 to 100 cycles on each battery. So if it's only a one-time or two-time mistake, if you got a quality battery mm-hmm. and a quality charger, it should bring it back to life without doing any you know, black magic uh, you know, <laughs> experiments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's because your charger can do that. Like, my charger will not charge a battery that's under 3.6. It just won't work. It just doesn't. It basically says low voltage, can't do it. Yeah, my Thunder Power will say recovery charging, and it gives it like I think two minutes. And if it doesn't bring it up to a certain voltage by then, it says no, I'm not, I can't do anything with this. But then you can yeah. you can try it again. But I mean, who wants to keep hitting that friggin' button? Just I put them in a microwave. Just put them in. Yeah, the- that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, kids. <laughs> Don't put them in a microwave. <laughs> I wanted to bring this story up earlier when we were talking about NICATs. You know, growing up in the hobby. That's all we had was NICAD batteries. And coming from that technology, when LiPos were new, I remember when they first came out, the hobby store used to make a sign a waiver when we bought them. And now that's a thing of the past. But, oh, wow. you know, gr- growing up in a NICAD age, when we were done back in the day, I had my Futaba, you know, Attack 4 in the 80s and 90s. When we were done flying for the day, we would leave the transmitter and receiver on overnight to kill the kill the batteries down to, you know, dead and he'd recharge them. With NICAD, you want to completely kill them and then charge them back up. Well, when the whole LiPo technology came out, I remember my transmitters, I would leave them on overnight, and by like the fifth or sixth time of charging it, I'd fully charge it, and the thing would last, you know, a couple flights to the field. i go, what the hell is going on here? And I researched the lithiums, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't go below a certain voltage. So I was doing the same thing. I was leaving my transmitters on thinking I had to fully discharge them down and dead. Well, Light bulb's only gonna let you bring it to death a few times, and I, I probably destroyed a couple packs in both the aircraft and the transmitter doing just that, leaving it on and fully discharging it. So we kind of went over power charging. Now, power charging, there's no, not, at least in my experience, there's no series charger. There, you know, no, I don't think anyone does that. So, so that's not really in there. So with batteries, though, you can. So talking about series, you can actually. That's how these uh, bigger helis get their packs, is they run two smaller batteries in series. So basically doubling up the voltage, not the capacity. When you do parallel, you're doubling up the capacity while keeping the same amount of voltage. While you, when you run in batteries in series, you're actually doubling up the voltage while keeping the same capacity level. So there's a little difference between that and... Um, the easiest way to tell is, you know, does the wires go from one battery to the next battery, then into your your airplane or helicopter, or do both batteries kind of plug in together and become one plug into the helicopter or or the thing? So. Do, do both the reds from the battery go to the reds on the yes. ESC? Yes, and exactly. blacks on the battery go to the blacks on the ESC or the black on the ESC. Yes, yeah, that's a better that's, way. Explaining that's it. parallel. <laughs> Yeah. If the red from one battery goes to the black of another battery, that's that's series. That's series together. And I, I think the reason you don't charge in series or you can't charge in series is because you could hook the batteries up and make a a 12-volt battery out of it or whatever, or a 12S battery out of it. But your power, your charging, your balance leads, you can't, you can't yes. series those together. Right. 
Um, talking about chargers now, you know, I mean, I use a cheap charger. I mentioned in the last episode. Mine's very episode cheap. Before that. Um, I mean, I think mine's cheaper than yours, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally spent 30, 40 bucks for my charger. Mine was free. But well, it was free. That was from, <laughs> but that was yeah, a $200 yeah. charger. Yeah, exactly. I should um, tell that story real quick, man. Yeah. Where I went out to Vegas. It. I went out to Vegas, and the wife and I, we've been out there a number of times, and, and we'll go out there. She, she loves sitting at the pool. She could sit at the pool for like three, four days. Me, I get a little bored with the pool, and uh, sometimes the craps table is a little boring for me, especially if I'm getting a little light on my pocket. So I remember uh, it was last year I went out to Vegas, and I said, I'm going to see if there's an RC show coming up out here. There was one coming up behind the University of Las Vegas. Sam Boyd Field has a an RC like done up, like paved with bleachers and and two big cement things for shade. And I went out there. I think Saturday. The thing was on Sunday. I went out there on Saturday and uh, hung out with them, the guys beforehand. And I was like, "You guys got it made, man. This is killer out here." I think they even had power out there, and the casino mm-hmm. pays for all of it, the paving and all that. Awesome. So I went out. I went out Sunday. I might have the dates wrong. It might have been Friday, Saturday. I went out the next day for the the big event that they were having, and it was like a lot of local guys, really like super cool guys. It, just the exactly the type of guys you you would think you'd meet in a hobby. And uh, when I went out there, the the college was having this enormous event going on, and it's like right. It's literally right behind the the field, like okay. as as you keep going over. So when I pulled in. Uh, the kid said to me, it's 20 bucks to park. And I said, well, I'm just going to the RC event over here. And he was like, okay. So I just pulled up and went into that. And normally out here in Jersey, man, no matter what size the event or New York state, you know, you go to the neat fair, it's, it's like six bucks. And you know, mm-hmm. I've been to some of the local stuff where it's like two, three dollars just to, you know, hang out. Yeah. This was, yeah, like, this was yeah. free. There was nothing going on. And I never buy raffle tickets or anything like that. But they were having, they were raffling off all this stuff. And I said, you know what? I didn't pay for parking. They had like 10 tickets for, I don't even know what it was, 10 bucks maybe. Who knows? So I bought 10 tickets. And uh, I was hanging out talking to a couple guys. And I had like six, the last three numbers was like six, four. I had six, four, zero through six, four, nine. So I knew if the guy said six, four, I won whatever it was. So I'm hanging out. I'm talking to a couple of these guys, and we were talking about. I know Chris said he did used to do competitive shooting, and these guys were a pisser. They were they're busting my chops because I was from Jersey, and you know I got a couple of weapons and and this and that, and and uh, I, we were talking about how hard it is to get stuff in Jersey and the AR rules in Jersey and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. one guy was cracking me up. He's like, he's like, you give me your email when you leave. You want a howitzer? I'll get you a freaking howitzer. He goes, <laughs> we'll get you whatever you want. And I'm like, no, dude, I want to get it the right way. You know, I appreciate it, but I don't really right. want to spend the rest of my life in jail for something, you know, stupid or whatever. The last prize they had was this Thunder Power Charger. And uh, as I'm talking to these guys, I'm listening to the number. And the guy was like, you know, 951-643. And I, would, I was like, I just want a charger. And I walked down nice. there and picked up the charger. It was, it was perfect because it was really small. I was on vacation. You know, I was like, what am I going to do if I win a 60-inch <laughs> wingspan yeah, right. plane or whatever? I'm have to right, ship right. it home. So it was too cool. And then I came back, and they were like, oh, you weren't kidding. You were like, you just want to charge. I was like, yeah. So it worked out really well, man. And I've been using that one ever since, that one and the, the small little Dynam one I bought when I first got into the hobby. 
So how long ago was that? That was a couple years ago, and the Dynam one that I bought, that thing's got to be at least five or six years old. The one okay. that makes a lot of noise, the fans yeah, like yeah. rubbing against something. <laughs> I gotta. Yeah. That's one of my things I want to redo is the charging case. I I, I'm, I have plans to redo that and seeing the ones that Chris has, man, the pictures he sent. I'm like, yeah, those things are amazing. I gotta I gotta do something. I gotta up my game in the chargers. Yeah, I got. I'm gonna make a charger charging case. Um, I'm gonna DIY it just because. I mean, I looked up um, RC2, and I mean, like the prices are fair for what you get, but it's still kind of above my uh, what I can allocate for a charging case. So yeah, those guys do fantastic. Like they're uh, awesome. I mean, they're and all completely custom, custom made. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice looking cases, but yeah, I mean it's. But you get you got to factor in you're getting the power supply and the charger, too. Right. So um, right and LEDs and, and you LEDs. know five volt charging ports for USB and all this stuff, um, you know. But I mean, I, I feel like I'm technically inclined enough to kind of. Yeah, I think it'll be a cool project. A project to do so, and and I have all these kind of, kind of you know I have a, I, I basically have a CNC and and a laser cutter, um, soon at my job. So like. Having those kind of resources, I think I, I can do some cool stuff with it. So, and it's a learning experience, right? Learn how to run a CNC, learn how to run a, a laser cutter. You know, I learned how to do 3D printing and stuff. So, between all those three uh, tools, I think I'll be able to make something decent. You know, nothing nothing as good as a professionally made one, but something I'll be happy to to show off. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I'm gonna 3D print a lot of stuff for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to incorporate, I want to incorporate a little area where I can keep tools. I'm going to try and get it to where I possibly could keep, you know, some small set of tools in the case yeah. too as well. Yeah. But yeah, it should be a a really cool project. Back in my nitro days, chargers weren't really big for me other than my plane, so I just had a cheap chargers. I think the the before my DIY case, I had I think it was a Dynam Passport. Um, that was my first charger that actually had like a balance lead to it when I started flying the lipos and that was fine for a while. But once I started doing the reviews and flying a lot more, mm-hmm. I needed, I needed something. And, and, you know, looking at the progressive RC cases, I didn't want to spend the money. So I, I went the DIY route, um, okay. bought myself, uh, I think it was a Pelican case from like Gander mountain. And I bought the 24 volt or I bought the 12, two 12 volt power supplies, offline you know the server power supplies and mm-hmm. had ray stacy soldered them in, in i think in series for me for 24 volts yeah and then uh my first real big charger was it was the hyperion 702b or something like that or 702i so that's my first was able to charge like I, when i was doing a passport charger that's when i first started flying like my logos and stuff i was, I was using these 5,000 milliamp packs and they would take an hour and 20 minutes to charge each oh wow pack. I go, wow. something's got to change here. You know, six batteries. I'd spend the whole, I'd come home the whole afternoon and night would be charging these batteries so I could fly the next day. All right. So, so when I did a DIY case, that was nice because I could up, I could up this, up the C rating, the amperage and, you know, bring my mm-hmm. charge time down to, I think like, you know, 30, 40 minutes per battery. And then last year when I was really charging a lot, you know, for the goblins and the oxy and this and that, I had all these different size batteries. Um, I I'd met the guys from rotor, rotary wing rc the year before at ohb mm-hmm. and when they when they branched off and you know started rotorcraft rc i said okay it's time to buy a case and i'll do a review on it 
Um, so the first case, I went no holds bar, every bell and whistle you could get. Um, and I, I had him do the the big one. It's in a Nanuk 940 uh, waterproof case. Nice. And that, that one is like the go-to. That's my home charger. Um, it's got the 1,000-watt, 24-volt, meanwhile, power supply. Um, for that charger, I've got the iCharger, the 308 Duo, and it's got the dual balance boards on each side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had them add USB chargers so I could charge my iPhone and my iPad. It has a 26-volt output banana port, so if someone wants to pay back and use their charger, they can plug into my case. Wow, that's um, it's amazing. Got, it's got, I mean, it's got everything. It's got the LED-lit cooling fans in the green color. It's got the Pulse logo that lights up with a switch. If I want light at the field at night for night flying, it lights up the whole bench. Oh, cool. Um, so dual balance boards, dual charge leads. I can go with banana port or it has a Dean's connectors in the, in the board so I can you know plug in adapters to EC3s, um, JSTs, whatever I want to charge. And we even added, just for the bells and whistles, we, we even did a mm-hmm. carbon fiber like vinyl deck overlay to give it that you know finishing touch. So that's, that's my Cadillac of chargers. That pretty much stays at home. The only time that goes out to the field is when we're doing a heli jam, we've got two, three generators going, so I'll, I can charge all day. So then I got started talking to the guys, and I'm like, all right, guys, they were going towards a route of, okay, everybody wants the bells and whistle case, but what if the guys just have multi-rotors? What if they just have RC airplanes and they don't want right. to spend all this money? Um, and that's when he came out with a new line of the 910 nut cases. And what's great about those, you can get those anywhere between you know 550 to 650 um, out the door, and now that's my daily charger. That one I'll bring to the field because I never had a generator at the field. I'd always piggyback off of Kyle's. Well, now I know it's the park next to my house always has 110 on, on a post. Mm-hmm. And for my birthday last year, at the end of the season, my wife bought me one of those little generators from uh, Harbor Freight, 99 bucks. It's like a you know 10 amp or it, it's a small generator. It's like 700 watt, 10 amp or something. Is that the really loud one though? Like it's so small, but it's like, eh, you know, like yeah, it's, it's I haven't fired it up yet. It's a little two cycle one. Okay. Um, so but for the price, exactly. I mean, for wow. for, ni- for ninety nine bucks, it can't. It's not going to be able to power my big case. But what's nice about the nine ten case I got off the guys is it, it only has a three hundred fifty watt twenty um, four volt meanwhile power supply. Mm-hmm. In that one, I've got the iCharger two hundred eight B. They still put the twenty four volt DC banana ports out in case I want to use a different charger. Mm-hmm. Um, still has a dual cooling fans in the lid, and it's only a single port charger. But they still did dual balancing boards if I want to parallel charge at the field, um, which which is nice. So that's that's my go-to. I mean, when I'm at home, I use both of them. But for, for this season coming up with my generator, that's the little guy I'll be bringing to the field. But if I'm going to the park with my dad, like two weeks ago, I had both chargers going full blast, four batters at a time. Nice. Wow. So I definitely recommend the guys who want to play around go the DIY route. I don't recommend the power supplies unless you're electrically savvy or – there's a lot of guys out there in the forums who are selling these power supplies wired up in series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ground's all done up right. Because if you do those wrong and you have a floating ground or you touch the case, A, you can get shocked, or B, you can fry the, the power supplies. So yeah. if you know what you're doing, 10 bucks each on, on eBay. And I had hundreds and hundreds of charges on that before I sold that case. So going a DIY route, hell, you can buy a, you know, a toolbox at Harbor Freight for – 30 but you can you buy a case for 30 bucks buy the power supplies buy your charger and you can build one pretty inexpensive i think i had maybe 300 dollars in that whole charge setup um material and all nice so the the diy route's fun but 
if you want something that's going to work every time, you don't have to worry about, you know, electrical shock or something yeah. frying, definitely see the guys at either, you know, Progressive RC and uh, Rotorcraft RC. Those guys will get you all set up with exactly what you want. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, you know, if you're good with that stuff, maybe make your own. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to know that there's, you know, companies out there that do this, you know. So that way, like, yeah, you might throw a little extra money into it, but you know you're going to get quality. You know it's going to work. It's going to last. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about, like, you know, running those two server power supplies in a series, you know. What, basically what the main thing is you got to make one of those floating grounds so that way there's no two grounds on the thing as you run them a series and that i mean you know i've seen a lot of youtube videos on it but <laughs> well you got to do know, it right because you, you got to do it right you, yeah. you need to float the ground but you, you still need to you still yeah. need equipment ground and you know i'm an electrician by trade i wasn't yep. touching it you know i gave it to <laughs> ray stacy and he, he's done you know hundreds for kyle i remember before okay. progressive rc built kyle's case he had him out there with duct tape all over him on the back of his truck, and I was scared to even plug into it. But, you know, that's why you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Being an electrician, I was not touching it. Ray had those things soldered up in like 20 minutes for me. So I definitely recommend it if you know what you're doing or find someone who does and make them for you because that meanwhile power supply, that's that's some money. That was a couple hundred dollars versus, you know, 25 bucks yeah. with old server power supplies. Yeah, and I mean – Right now, like we're decommissioning a lot of servers at work. So, Kevin, if you want any, let me know. What you really want to point out to people that are like, "What do you mean floating the ground?" It's is that you have two AC sources coming in that are coming right. from the same ground, essentially. And you're you're actually what what's happening is you have two 12 volt power supplies that you're 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 connecting serial to provide 24 volts, and you need to take the one ground away from one of them. So that mm-hmm. you can, so it's it's reference isn't the same ground as the first one. Yeah, basically, and you're kind of fooling it and tying the positive from one into the negative of the other, and that's where it gets tricky. And if you don't yeah. have that correct, the disconnect of the ground. I mean, it. I think it's easier than than we're making it sound. But like Chris said, if you have, you know, no experience with it, and even yeah. Chris says, you know, he's, he's an electrician, doesn't even want to touch it. I don't blame him. I've been to electronic school, and I don't know if I want to mess with it. I probably will <laughs> because I've fried enough things in my yeah. day, and what's one more thing to fry? But <laughs> Well, because, I mean, you have that experience in, with, you know, electrical stuff. So, like, you know, for you, like, for most people, they'd be like, okay, floating ground, I'll just, you know, tape up the, the board so that it's not touching the metal casing, and that's floating. And, yeah, that's floating, but... You know, are you going to take a multimeter to it to actually check? Yeah, it's not. You know, it's like not you need just to check that third prong off the plug. That's not right. What I'm talking about. Yeah, bad things can go south quick. Yeah. So what I, what what I'll do for the people who are you know interested in looking at the charge cases once Steve posts up um, everything on the Facebook page from the podcast tonight, um, I'll put a link to both my build reviews for the 940 and a 910 case, and I'll oh, put a link to Rotorcraft RC for any of the guys who are thinking about a case and never heard of the guys before. They're a father-son team from Florida, and they're doing some awesome stuff with chargers. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I want to check it out too. Um, yeah, so, Kevin, if you want, I got a couple HP power supplies for you. I'll probably get you like four or six of them if you want to mess with yeah, them. Yeah, I'll experiment with them, sure. You know, that way if you burn them one out or two out, just be safe about it. I don't want to. Well, I'll do it over know. by that bucket. 
close to my neighbor's house. Yeah, there you go. You know what it is? You know what? From my experience, this is what will happen. I'll get it all set up. I'll get it all working fine, and I'll accidentally bump them together. And, you know, because you have to isolate them one from each other. Uh, Do you? I thought there is Mm -hmm. is a way around that also. Uh, I think it depends on the actual power supply itself. Uh, There's an internal disconnect from the case that you Mm -hmm. can do. Because Perry has a setup and his his has a uh, an isolation between the two. Okay. Like strip of uh, plexiglass or something he has in between the two. The easiest thing I did was I had the, the fan fold insulation like the Depron I used to make the, the flying wings with. Sure, yeah. Right. Was I just had a piece of uh, blue fan fold between the two and then duct tape around the entire assembly. So it was yep. like a handheld power supply. Yep. Oh, cool. And then how do you handle the, the, the input um, AC line, you know, the computer power supply plug. Like, do you just, you know, do you make one? Do you put them into a power strip so that they're just one plug? You um, all, you, you you make a Y harness. So you buy, you essentially buy two cords for, you know, they're, they're like monitor power cables or power mm-hmm. supply. Yeah. You just buy, you just buy two of them and you just, you just solder a Y harness. Make a Y harness out of it. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. So, yeah, Kevin, I might ask, uh, maybe one day we can, uh, we can experiment with that and, and make a 24-volt power supply. I mean, to tell you the truth, I'm happy with my 12-volt. It's just I wish the, the amperage, for some reason, it just started losing you know, the ability to, to charge at 10 amps. Um, but I was fine with 10 amps. I mean, I don't I, – you know, even when I charge the 5,000 packs, you know, that's fine. 2C, 10 amps works well, for me. I think for the next step for me to go from like the small 12 volt ones that have the internal mm-hmm. AC to DC converters is to, you know, go with the 24 volt output and the separate charger. And I've kind of been pricing it out and they're roughly, you know, three, four hundred dollars for like your, your eye charger, your uh, 30 amp eye charger. One, I'm telling you guys, once you go 24 volt, you'll never look back at 12. Yeah, that's I'm kind of looking at that jump next. So is there a big difference between – what is the big difference, I guess, I should ask, between 12 and 24 volt? Is it it's It's got to be charging? amperage. It's, it's, it's got to be faster in amperage because my dad, he's got, I think, the E-Flight. It's a nice little E-Flight charger. It's 110 volt. You plug it in the wall, no power charger. Mm-hmm. He charges. We get home from the field from flying the Oxys, and he's telling me he's same amperage, so we're both charging at 2C. He's telling me it's taking 25 to 30 minutes to charge a little 1350 3S, you know, pulse pack. Those don't go more than, you know, 16, 18 minutes on my charger. And all that's different is I'm running straight 24 volt off a power supply. He's using an E-flight charger that's plugged in the wall with a converter. We're both yeah. charging 2C. So all, from my experience, you're getting a faster charge. Hmm. You know, you know what's kind of odd is on my charger, it tells me what voltage I'm um that is pushing and when i do anything like 6s packs because you know 6s is 22 volts the, tr- the voltage has to be higher than what it's charging i can't you know like trying to charge a 22 a- uh, volt pack on a 12 volt input it, you're you're fi- you know you're swimming upstream there what i notice is my charger will actually pull more voltage than the 12 volts you know that the power supply can, you know, provide, I guess, you know, with capacitors or whatever, it actually, I see 25 volts on my charger. So I think it, it definitely will, you know, charge things faster. I think it just kind of, I don't know how, if the current's the same, it sh- technically it shouldn't, but um, I definitely do see it charging faster. Um, 
from my low voltage experience, I know that something that says it's 24, like we put in 24 volt mag locks, a lot of doors. The power mm-hmm. supplies we put in are 24 volts. If you put an actual voltmeter on it, it's saying like 26.7 volts or 27 volts. It's not actually okay. 24 volts. Uh, I don't know if that's where you're seeing. Like, you're you saying that the 12 volt power supply? It takes a 12 volt. volt. Well, because it's only one single power supply. I don't run a a power right. um, or series uh, power power supplies. So, I know the output is only 12. Like, I know all the wires that I combine. That are the twelve volt signal wire or the you know leads, um, they go into two banana plugs and it's twelve volts. But my charge will take that twelve volt and make it twenty five point six or seven, so it could handle charging a twenty two volt pack. Right. So it's probably taking your input voltage, which and using if, a transformer, if, if it right? Is 12, to, yeah, it can double the. It's there's there's a circuitry that can double the voltage for sure. But when you double the voltage, you decrease the amperage by half. Right. Um, so that's probably what's happening there. Yeah, and then I think, you know, the power supply was used out of a regular desktop PC. Um, and I think over time, it's just, you know, it's just kind of breaking down. And it's just not the transformer in there is just not, a you know, supplying. It's probably not even supplying 12 volts, like, consistently anymore, you know. It's probably dipping and the, the transformer is kind of burning out. So I do have a new. Well, that's for that. Then I probably answered my own question because that's probably where the difference comes into play. Is because when you have a twelve volt, like you said, that's charging these higher packs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's got to double the voltage. When you have a twenty four volt, it doesn't have to. So the amperage right. is saying. So then you then can you get have, the high wattage, the, which is high amps, right? You're going to have a, a a quicker charge, even though you could set them both the same. Right. right. Um, so I think that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely gonna step up this year to twenty four volts, whether I have to mess around. I have a I have a server my other brother in law gave me years ago and I don't know know what it is, but uh yeah, I'll take a couple power supplies, man, and we'll we'll see what we can come up with. Yeah, let's do it. I definitely want I mean I've had two HP power supplies sitting underneath my build table for this whole past year. Ever since I built this little charger case, soon after I was like, Okay, I need to I, I have access to these power supplies from work. That we're throwing out these old HP Gen three boxes. I'm like, if they're throwing them out, let me just pull the power supplies out of them, and and you know. Yeah, dude. Because if why not? If we get that set up, dude, I'll, I'm gonna buy an eye charger for sure. I think that's where I'm gonna go. Yeah, I definitely want one too. They're just, I mean, they're either that or the uh, Rev Electric. And and the only reason for the Rev Electric is uh, Nick from Marcy Chen. It's just you know this whole like bump charging stuff looks so cool, even though it's like an extra. Hundred or hundred fifty dollar option, it just kind of seems cool. You know, you could just bump it and it'll know what cell it is, which battery pack, set the rates that you set it, and just charge. So it's kind of cool stuff. Um, cool. Yeah, and it also works with the whole Mikado V control has their battery ID tags too. Uh, so so it works with that stuff too. You're going off into a world I do not know. Yeah, a like, very expensive world. That, I'm still you know. stuck in Spectrum Land, and I'll probably be here for a while. <laughs> Oh, I'm still gonna be there with you. Don't worry. <laughs> I haven't fully converted to the dark side. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all I had for the batteries and charging and and all this stuff. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that I oh I like that. Oh, go ahead. I do have one more thing. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I you know, they they especially newer folks in the hobby. They don't they see the eye charger. And they're like, oh, everyone's telling me to get this eye charger. You know, thirty ten, thirty oh eight, like. What does the numbers mean? Now, 
it's real easy. The first two numbers is the amperage that it can handle, and the second number is the cell count it can handle. So when you talk about a 4010, it could do 40 amps at 10 cell batteries. Right? Am I right, Chris? I think so. I just I, I said I want the best charger and I want a field <laughs> charger and that's what they gave me. Yeah. I know I know I know some are some are single port, some are dual port. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the whole duo, right? When when it's a forty ten duo, correct. Yep. There's two isolated chargers within that, and they both can charge forty. Um, but actually, let me not make that statement. Some chargers that can do um, dual charging, and they say, oh, we can charge, you know, two hundred watts, twenty amps at six cell. A lot of the cheaper chargers, I notice if you actually look at the fine print. It does that across both charger, both charging ports or sides. Yeah, so, so that, it's combined. Yeah, so realistically, you could do yeah 6s, but you can only do say 10 amps per um, channel. Um, I I think the i you know like the i chargers are just they're really high end chargers. I mean they're pretty big too. You know like especially when you get that 4010. And they're not you know, crazy expensive. I mean I was looking at them. I think they were under. They're easily 150 for the the 206. And the 206. The, that's yeah. 20 amps. So I mean that 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 if I got that alone, it would probably last me for a uh, a good long time. You, you know what's funny that um the iCharger 206. If you look at that charger and you look at my charger, my charger is a clone from there. And how much was the i206? It's like 159, I think something like that. Yeah, so it's about 40. It's the 110 dollar difference. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that that charger will probably last way longer than mine, and the quality control is probably way better. But, I mean, for me to get into the the 6S pack charging cheap, I lucked out. I found a charger that worked for me and didn't burn out. and didn't But yours is, yours is strictly 12 volts, right? No, it can do 24. Oh, no, I mean, but it's 12 volts. It's just DC voltage. You don't have an oh, AC. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a DC charger. Yeah, the, the 306, the 306. Yeah, the uh, the twenty oh six is a two oh six. It's a DC charger only. I think all the i chargers are DC only. Right, but I was gonna get at uh, for a new guy starting out. If you wanted to get a cheap, a pretty decent charger, you could probably just go on Amazon and put in like lipo charger and find a thirty five dollar charger that can do six s. Mm-hmm. That and just look at the specs. Yeah, uh, if it yeah. says five amps, six s. You know, uh, that's your basic charger and they basically all work the same where they they do you know yeah. your your lipo charging uh mm-hmm. and that that's gotten me by for what four or five years now uh and yeah. uh so I, you could definitely get you by if that's you know you're just starting out and you want something cheap and i'm not going to say it's reliable but uh you know my my little dynam worked fine but be careful because those chargers a lot of them are clones Especially, I think I'm, I've definitely mentioned this on the last show. It was the IMAX B6 AC. It's a, it's a basically like one of the most cloned chargers out there. Right. That's probably what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think that guy that we saw, you know, have that lipo fire on Facebook, that was the charger he was using. Now, who knows if it was a genuine charger or if it was a clone. You know, the, the thing about the clones... Um, you know they work. They work right off the bat. They'll work, but the the components they put in there are a lot cheaper, a lot like 
smaller, you know, like just everything is not as beefed up as the original. Um, because they're, you know, they're trying to save costs, so they put cheaper components in there. So, um, you know, if something goes wrong where like the charger thinks it's balancing, but it doesn't, then you can have a potential fire. So, but I say start out with that because you're you're at five amps max. There's no way you're really gonna charge anything at like three C. You know, unless it's a, you know, unless it's a five hundred milliamp hour battery. You know, like if you're basic like twenty two hundreds, you know, three S. Yeah. You're not charging. You're gonna. You can charge those probably fine at you know four point four at two two C. But you're not gonna charge anything past five amps. So, you know what I mean. It's not gonna be right. like fire starting or anything like that. I'm not saying that accidents can't happen. and You might get a bad mm-hmm. one, but yeah. For me, if I was starting out, well, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I just went yeah. to. Uh, I think I got it from X Heli or Nitro Planes. Yeah, I mean, my first charger was the, um, what is it, Onyx. Two, three, five. I think yeah. I mentioned. Yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, and I mean, for what it was, you know, up to four cell, it was fine. I would, you know, I used it for a whole first year of of me, you know, getting back into this hobby. And and the only reason I sold it is just because I need to start charging six S packs. If there wasn't that need, I'd probably still be using that charger to this day. But you know. So let me ask you: with these yeah. other with these other chargers that can do twenty four or twelve. Do they have separate inputs? They have a twelve volt input and a twelve volt. No, it just has a smart circuitry to to basically. Like, I guess it's a, a relay in there that will send oh, the juice okay. depending on which way you know. I love uh, smart stuff. Yeah, I love it when the charger's smarter than I am. Then you need to get the bump charger. No. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I almost said it sounds kind of gimmicky, but then I was like, you know what? I probably could use something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, if it's only going to save you like five seconds but hey you know if it's one less thing to worry about then it's one less thing to worry about but it does keep a log too it takes the human error out of like logging your stuff you know too yeah and didn't you and you said it had all these other features or no that was the v-bar you were talking about the v-control yeah the with V-control. the ui sensor it has yeah. All features, yeah. yeah by the way chris do you use any of that stuff i do not i'm a simple guy okay. i charge i charge and i fly i charge and i fly but you you don't put any UI sensors to know like how many how much milliamps what amp draw you've done and stuff like that. No, Kyle Kyle loves it. But for me, the first few flights on a new model, mm-hmm. I bring it down. I I use my little cell checkers. And again, I fly around thirty percent. So mm-hmm. I I come down around three point eight volts. So I figure out what my flight is, and I always fly the same type of routine with my big three yeah. D. So I just I just go by the timer on the radio, and I've gotten by fine for all this time. I might eventually branch out. It's just another thing to solder, but Kyle is loving the heck out of it. You know, I'm me too. Like I only have the UI sensor on the well, only on the only Neo V Control Heli I have right now, which is the, the 700. And one of the coolest things is just the maximum amp draw. Like you know, when when I fly my Goblins or my other Helis, I don't know how much amps I'm drawing. You know, having, say, at one point I had a 100-amp uh, castle light in my Blade 360 CFX. And it, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm pulling that or not, you know. I, I mean, the only time I can tell is actually going in and looking at the logs. But that means hooking it up, disconnecting it, using the castle link and all that, you know, nonsense. It's like, with this thing, it's like I land, I disconnect the main pack, and then, boom, I'm, the V-Control is like... I pulled 120 amps. I'm glad I have a 160 amp ESC in this heli, you know? It's so convenient for just, like, little things like that. 
and on the plane side, it's different because I have a watt meter, you know, and I can sit there and hold the plane still and just go full throttle and see what I'm pulling. You know, with the helis, I'm not holding a 700 down <laughs> while I hook up a watt meter, you know, like that's not happening. You know, even even on the 450s, I, I'm not doing that, you know. I mean, I don't think I've done it on any helis. Maybe, no, 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 I haven't done it on any. Like, that's just too scary, you know. So I, I do like that feature, and I don't know if it's worth a hundred bucks, but with the battery uh, logging, you know that that I think, you know, it, it's worth it. So four hundred eighty dollars per heli. That looked pretty cool though when you came down and you were able to see all that information. I was like, well, oh, that is that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely a neat feature. It's just I think, you know, you you, you get more telemetry back to your radio to kind of tell you. You know, how you're flying, how hard are you flying, how many milliamps you used up on the pack and stuff like that. I think it's kind of neat. You know, it's kind of, and I guess being an IT guy, having that extra data source is nice, you know. I'm, I'm keeping my mouth shut on IT guys, dude. I deal with them a lot. And you are definitely one of the guys that are not in the general collective I think of when I think of IT guys. Oh, man, you're making me really curious to know what kind of IT guys you deal I'll with. I'll put it to you this way. I sat down for training one day. Uh, years uh-huh. ago, I went up to Boston for training, and the one of the first things the instructor said was, you know, if you have problems with this, blah, 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 you know, don't call the IT guy because he'll complain or something like that, he said. And I said, it just flew right out of my mouth. I said, well, if he's an IT guy, he's going to complain anyways or something like that, or he'll <laughs> find something to bitch about. And the guy looked at me, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm failing this class. He must have been a former IT guy or something, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we didn't we didn't hit it off at all." Damn yeah. man, you hit him where it hurts. <laughs> yeah, dude, they uh, I I deal with so much crap and so much IT crap, and I don't know, I don't know, I I I have a hard time believing what they tell me is wrong is the actual problem, and then I've talked to some of them directly and asked them questions and you know mm-hmm. basically switch questions and stuff like that, and they have no answer, so I'm like, well, they know about as much as I do. How do they? How did, how are they fixing anything? I don't know. Right. Uh, we have to talk later. All right. So let's see. All right. I guess that's pretty much it for the main topic. Unless anyone has anything else to add? No. No, that's all, that's all I got. Just do your research on, on lipos. Do your research on chargers and just be safe. Cool. And if you have any questions you want to ask us, definitely email us and, uh, you know, we'll get back to you on that, and you know, we'll it'll push us to do some more research on it too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot just just tonight, just just talking. I want to charge like six six S five thousand packs in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have like a three. Th- oh, that's one of the other things um, I loved about the V control uh, telemetry, the the UI sensor, is that I can actually it does the math for me. I can tell how much watts I'm pushing through my power system. Which oh, is nice. pretty cool. I forgot what I pulled. I think I was pulling. Do you remember? Uh, was it like? I know the one I saw was um, the amperage. Yeah, but I think I was pulling like 2,000 watts out of the 700. It was something like that, yeah. Which is something freaking crazy. insane. Yeah, it's so cool. But, uh, oh, we didn't really go into this. Um, internal resistance on packs. Yeah, um, I, I know nothing. Is that how to tell? If you have a bad cell, so internal resistance is basically kind of I don't I don't really know the official term. The way I look at it, or the way I kind of make sense of it, is, um, you know, the resistance of a pack trying to give out the power. So the C rating, right? 
and higher the internal resistance you have, right? Just like the word says, internal resistance in the pack, the harder the pack ha- ha- you know, can push that power through or the C rating through. So, um, especially with the bigger packs, the success, 5,000, like when you get a brand new pack, if you test your internal resistance, uh, most chargers, more, I guess, higher end chargers can have a built in tester, usually under like a special menu or a special mode. And what you do is you fully charge your pack, you have the pack at room temperature, and then you do an internal resistance check. With that, you should see very low numbers, um, you know, sub 5 milliohms being uh, the internal resistance of that pack. So like 2, 3, usually when I get my pulse packs and I check them, they're all in that, you know, 2 to 3 range. And that's a good way to tell, like, when you buy a pack, say you, you know, you buy a pack from someone used, right? One of the good ways of knowing the the how that pack was treated, how the cells are balanced against each other, is to ask the person to do an internal resistance check on the pack before you buy it. And you know, if they have a decent eye charger or anything, you know, even my Turnergy forty dollar charger has it. You know, you can if he takes a picture of it, and you see like two, two, three, three, and then the last cell is ten. That's a bad cell in that combination because. You know, that one cell is giving you more resistance, so it has less, uh, amp, you know, discharge than the rest of the cells. That usually means when you're flying that pack, that cell is going to go down quicker in voltage than the rest of the cells. And you'll see when you have battery packs that have off internal resistance or, you know, in the milliamps, uh, milliohms resistance, you'll notice that when you plug it into a cell checker and it'll say like, you know, it most likely will beep saying that it's out of balance. And then when you go through the cells, you'll see like, oh, 3.8, 3.8, 3.8, 3.6. And like, oh, okay, I think I have a bad cell. And that's because normally because that cell was damaged from improper discharging or improper charging or um, or just maybe it could be even damaged from, you know, maybe getting hit, you know, from a crash. And But yeah, but if that internal resistance is not equal out, then that one pack, or one cell within the pack will won't behave properly, won't balance right. And also, when you think about it, in, it internal resistance have a direct effect to C rating. You know, so like you have your pack, it's brand new. You have a five thousand pack. You, you know, you're getting your your thirty, your forty five C per per se. And then over time, you know, you notice that the pack doesn't have that same punch it used to have. You know, that instant power, and that's what the C rating gives you. It's that like you know, you pitch pump and boom, that heli just jumps in the air. You don't get that type of performance out of your pack. And, you know, quote unquote, it starts to feel like it's old or the power, the battery is sagging. It's usually from your internal resistance getting too high. It doesn't produce that same C rating that it's advertised. And with the C rating, and I think there's some calculation, you can actually, with the internal resistance, sorry, with that number, and I think there's some calculation of like the milliamps used and all that stuff. You can actually calculate your true C rating of a pack. So internal resistance um, over time is you know somewhat important, especially if you if you take care of your batteries and you want to you know you know hopefully have them last through the long haul of over a year. I would say it's good to maybe once in a while check internal resistance. It's also definitely good to check before buying a used pack from someone, especially, you know, these big expensive heli packs, you know, you're, you're even used, you're still spending a quite a bit of money on them. 
it's good to like, hey, do an IR check for me. Let me see what numbers are coming up on that, and you know, and then you know, you kind of make your decision from there. Um, I think anything that starts to go over like 15 milliohms to 20 milliohms of resistance, um, that pack is definitely going to be like a 20C rating pack. So, you know, be careful. What I wanted to add to that was when you look at it from battery's point of view, anything it sees, anything you hook up to it, it's seeing as resistance. So when you talk about internal resistance, you're just adding more resistance to that to that battery. Yeah. To what that battery has to do. <clears throat> right. The, the battery's looking at it as workload mm-hmm. is the resistance. Right. So if Which there's means... more added to it, yeah, it's less of a workload that it can perform. Yes, exactly. So and everything does, right? Your your wires, your connectors. Exactly. Yeah. Right? That's why on these bigger packs that have a higher C rating, you know, you look at the wires and they're like ten gauge, eight gauge, they're huge. <laughs> you know, they're they're a pain in the butt to solder. You know, but soldering Poor soldering can cause more internal or more resistance in the line. So cold solders, you know, not enough solder and proper soldering. Sure. You know, all that stuff affects your resistance of your electricity going through your power, you know, the lines. Anything really, especially on the helis. You got, you know, your bearings, you got your gear lash and all that stuff. I mean, I know I'm talking like I'm an expert, but uh, I can look at it at that point, you know, from that point of view where anything that's going to add to slowing that that blade those blades down or that motor down is going to yeah, add motor, to your resistance right. yep and it's going to yep. give you less flight times and less flight time your motor is going to heat up more you right. know like right. you know so it's so you know with the wonders of electricity there's there's a lot of aspects to really consider and and you know don't don't be so hasty to just jump on oh this guy's selling these packs he says he only has five flights on him you know Ask for an IR, you know. If he's if he's serious and, and helicopters and knows knows a the hobby, then you know he, he can do it, or he can figure. You know, he, he most likely his charger can do it. And you, if you though he might not have ever done it, you can walk him through it most likely. So, other than a bad cell count being uh, just out of balance pack, mm-hmm. it kind of works hand in hand with your resistance check and your cell check, right? With your little the checkers that everybody has. Yeah, yeah, because if you see a battery that's constantly one cell's lower than the rest, then you know that there's an issue with that cell. And if you do an IR check, I'm sure that that IR is going to be higher than the rest of the cells. Okay. You know, and, you know, when I mean like different, like, I mean, they don't all have to be like three across no. the board. It's right. going to fluctuate by a milli, milliohm, you know, up and down. So, you know, I think the most I've seen, like, my packs are like maybe three, uh, no, like five and then eight. Seven, seven, five. You know, like it's all within three or four ohms of each other. But you know, when you see a big difference where you see like a single digit to a double digit, like okay, you know, yeah, you're gonna know. I'm pulling five ohm, you know, five milli ohms on internal resistance on this cell, and then these cells are like twenty. Yeah, you'll notice that that performance of that pack is not there anymore. So that's a good indication of when packs start to are starting to die, basically. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some news. News. <laughs> Dude, I've been dying to talk about this knucklehead. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Take us into the news, Kevin. All right. So I see on the news, or I see on Facebook, or I see social media, the media, any of the outlets that you want to talk about. And it's man gets tased in Hawaii for flying a drone. Well, 
I did some reading. I watched some videos. I did a lot of research. And it wasn't that he got tased for flying a drone. He got tased for being an asshole, basically, <laughs> is what it comes out to be. This guy, he's at a state park, and he's watching the lava river or something or whatever the heck is going on in Hawaii. And uh, he took this small drone, and it wasn't, it wasn't huge. It wasn't like a DJI Phantom. It was like a small, like, I think it was smaller than a 250, like a little, okay. little toy one. Yeah. And uh, he was flying around with it, shooting video, I guess, or taking pictures. I don't know what he was doing with it. But the park ranger came up to him and said, hey, man, you can't fly these in a national park. It's, it's the law in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy basically was blowing him off and blowing him off and finally landed. And when he landed, the park ranger said, well, you know, now you're getting a, a citation or a ticket. The guy said, I don't have my license on me, which is complete douche move, and then ran away. So what was a park ranger going to do? Shoot him? No, he pulled out his taser gun and he tasered him. And the nice. video's a pisser. The video's got his six-year-old daughter crying and like, like a little brat, which I'm sure he, she gets from her old man. And he's on the ground going, why did you tase me? And the guy was like, well, why did you run, idiot? Yeah. He, you can't tell me a guy in Hawaii who's at a national park, who's obviously a tourist because he's at a park, doesn't have any ID on him. He was full of shit. What did he do? Yeah. Swim there? He got on a plane to get to Hawaii. I'm sure. <laughs> he had to have ID on him there. Yeah, right. So I'm not a fan of you know this happening in front of his daughter, but you know he can explain okay. what he did wrong to his daughter for crying out loud. And I think oh. the park ranger did exactly what he should do. You know, yeah. and, and I, I see people on the internet, you know, typing stuff. Well, if he didn't have a taser, would he have shot him? Well, you know what, this guy. This park ranger is doing exactly what we want all the people in the United States, in 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 government, to do: enforce the freaking law. You know, as as dumb as it sounds, that it is a quad, you know, little toy and blah blah blah. The guy broke the law by not by flying the stupid quad. I mean, that's to me is not really the story. The story is he he tried to run. He tried to run. He lied yeah. to the park ranger. I can I I I was thinking about this. Other story while i was thinking about this during the week is we have this whole dwi drinking and driving zero tolerance stuff nowadays i mean i definitely think it's a good thing but mm-hmm. it got to a point where it was a joke and when i say that is because when i was in high school i had a couple friends of mine that were older we were driving around one time and we had and this is like late 70 early 80s we were driving around six empty six pack of beer Mm-hmm. The guy I was I had no license, so I was obviously I wasn't trying. My buddy was driving, pulls up, opens the door, puts the empty six pack on the double yellow line at the traffic light. The cop pulled him over and gave him a ticket for littering. I mean, that's how absurd the drinking and driving laws were like in the seventies. And yeah. it just it just got so out of control. Like it's always the answer is more laws, more laws. And thank God this guy did what he was supposed to do. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't fault him in any way for doing what it. he did. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you know, if you're doing something you're not supposed to do, and you know you're doing something you're not supposed to do, I mean, like, and you get caught doing it, man up. You got yeah. caught doing something wrong. If he didn't you know? get tased, if he got a citation, we, I guarantee, we wouldn't even have heard the story. But it was because yeah. there was a video of him being tased and the whole "Don't tase me, bro." You know, well, that and the whole—I mean, anything drone-related. If there's like any news on that stuff, especially negative news, you're gonna hear it. Like, yeah, you know, true. You know, like you, there's so many good stuff that people are doing drones. You know, using 
I, I hate that word drones, but using multi rotors, you know, for good things. And and you rarely hear of any of that stuff, you know? No. No, you know, I see it on Facebook, like, hey, I was in the paper, my local paper, because I helped the fire department, you know, scope out a, you know, a fire or this or that, you know? But, like, you don't hear it on national news. No. The national news knows more about the guys that fly around the Statue of Liberty and fly into the Empire State Building and whatnot than they know about Air Bears. Right. Which is a shame. Yeah, which Air Bears is doing such good stuff. It's, It's a shame that they don't get the publicity that they deserve, you know? Yeah. But, you know, like, if I was this park ranger, you know, yeah, I would have definitely tased them, too, you know? Like... I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe you could run after him, but then, like, you know, things could get hairy that way, too, you know? And you'd say, hey, freeze, don't run, you know, stop, you know, like, whatever park rangers or police officers do, then and if you don't, you know, stop and talk to the person, to the police officer or the park ranger, then, yeah, you're getting tased. Dude, it the, is it is. the park police in Jersey, man, is loaded as much as the regular police are i know for a fact because i used to do the fire alarms in in the building in morristown that they all used to run in and out of man they're loaded like they they carry everything they're what do you mean? Oh, like loaded like guns and yeah they're they're yeah you know, tasers and yeah they're they're no joke they're not like red the cops or anything like that sure yeah i mean they're actual police yeah yeah i i never i always thought that like park rangers or you yeah, know, right. like all of that stuff. I thought they were basically police officers just for the parks. <laughs> Maybe they should just start tasing everybody that shows no respect. This was I sound like Trump, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the guys we can thank for uh, having to register for the FAA. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's all the idiots, right? I mean, like the people in New York City, I, I hear once in a while, this guy was flying his, you know, DJI Phantom. Line of sight, and the wind just kind of took it away. And he had no experience. He just bought it at a store and, and, you know, charged it up and took off. And then just, you know, like, you hear all this stuff. Like, the Secret Service guy, let you know, yeah, lost track. and flying it and hitting the White House. Yeah, or landing in the White House lawn. Like, But, like, the thing is, he's flying at night. Like, yeah, there's some lights on it, but as soon as it gets, like, 20 feet away, you don't know what direction that thing's flying. You know, you, know, you can't see anything. And he wasn't flying FPV. He was flying no. line of sight. Out, out off his balcony. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. And I think that guy got what he deserved. And you know he's going to get you know more citations now. Right? Like For being I don't know. an idiot? Yeah, for being an idiot. But, like, I mean, are park rangers or park police, like, they're, they're pretty much police officers. Isn't that, like, resisting arrest or, you know? I don't know. Is it? Maybe? I don't know. I can't say it is or not, but I think so. I don't know. Uh, I, I, it's definitely running from enforcement, so I, I don't think he was under arrest at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he did what he had to do because you don't know who this guy is. You know what he's taking pictures of now, and you've told him to stop. And yeah, you eh. know, he, I'm sure he freaking had to explain it all. They had him in handcuffs, so I'm sure he eh. he he was a lot worse off than he was if yeah. he would have stopped and wasn't a douche. Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh man so i don't really have much news except for freefall rc podcast has a gallery now oh yes yeah (laughs) yeah chris has Um, been doing a great job with that man yeah it looks really good 
Yep, it looks awesome. Oh, uh, dude, you have news? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, what? I have news? We have news, yeah. We got some stickers in. Oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't want to take yes. away from Chris's uh, <laughs> hard work yeah, on, yeah. The, on the webpage. Well, let's just yeah hold that thought for a second. So, yeah, we have a gallery at freefarcpodcast.com slash gallery.html. Definitely check it out. It kind of shows us uh, – kind of shows everyone – what we have as far as uh i guess more current stuff of what we have um you know i don't think i have any old stuff that i used to have or anything no yeah this is just all the stuff that we kind of fly um definitely need to update the pictures with more pictures because i think i just took whatever i had on my phone and sent it um that's funny because i think mine are old i think some of the ones i have are old up on there yeah, it's creeping your Facebook because you haven't sent me any pictures yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed on on Kevin's hangar is his planes, it's all flight tests except for one. <laughs> Fanboy. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. When I look at mine, I have four, and that's only about 60%. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, 40%, the opposite. I mean, I do have some, some of their multi-rotors too. But uh Yeah. Um, definitely check out the gallery. It's pretty cool. Looks good. Kind of like how the pictures scroll and everything. Definitely yeah. get get Chris more pictures because I want to. Uh, I want to kind of fill that up. Oh man, there's a picture of me holding that 200. percent First of all, I look oh. I look really weird in that picture. My face looks really weird. I think it's just the lighting or something. But yeah, I'm not really happy with the way I look in that picture. But it's okay. All right. So yeah, next thing we have we have stickers. Yes. We got a whole batch of them. Yeah, they came yeah. out really good. I, I I only got you know I didn't get a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, basically got like two hundred, only because uh, we weren't sure how they were going to come out. Right. And uh, I think we'll be doing more business with the Sticker Guy dot com, which the Sticker Guy dot com. That's really yeah. his site. I think that's his uh, site. I'll have to double check on that. I mean, we're not getting any endorsement from him or anything, but he did a good job on yeah. the stickers. Um, so yeah, nice. if you want a sticker, I don't know, maybe we should, uh, throw it out there to, if you want a sticker, just email your, us your address. We'll send you one. I don't know. I'm willing to do that for the first like hundred stickers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I know, um, our buddy there from Australia wanted to know how he got some or, and, uh, he was sending me a message on, uh, Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was drunk as hell when I answered him. So sorry. If it <laughs> sorry if I sounded like an idiot. But yeah, was, I was, was that like, last Saturday? Yeah, I was like, oh, I guess I'll have to send you some out or something like that. I said, but man, I got to stop doing that. A, I got to stop drinking, and B, I got to stop drinking and going on social media because that's just a mess waiting to happen. Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh man, when I'm when I'm that like you know messed up, I I just I look at it and I think twice. Should I? No, no, no. I'm not replying now. I'll reply tomorrow when I'm sober. <laughs> I can't do it now. I know I'll say something really stupid and just really offensive. <laughs> so, yeah, it's better if I just keep my mouth shut when I'm uh, under the influence. I get more sarcastic, and then you know nobody ever sees it that when you're typing. You know, nobody sees sarcasm. Uh, you just become a douche. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. Okay, so uh, what will you be working on next, Steve? I want to do the Oxy TE build, um, the Tariq or Tarek edition. Yes. I have that in my hands. I have a set of BK servos in my hands, you know, nice. cyclic and tail. I have a 50 amp Castle Light uh, ESC I got. Um, I have that ready for it. 
I have my that e-flight motor I'm just going to try out. So I have that ready for it too. All I need really is the fibreless unit and, you know, and build it and, you know, do our build night and then, you know, I could get that in the air. I'm going to overhaul the Goblin 380 like I mentioned earlier in the episode. So I think I'm going to take that icon out of there and now it depends if I might. I'm trying to sell some of my, you know, old equipment, old stuff. Um, I've been posting a bunch of stuff on Facebook and um, and what do you call it on uh, eBay. So I sold my Blade 360 CFX airframe, the crashed one. Right. Um, I sold the Quantum, Quantum, or is it Quantum? Yeah, Quantum uh, Goblin 380 motor. The I don't, I forgot the size, but the 880 kV version. Um, now that I got the 1000 kv version of scorpion i'm gonna take the uh 900 or is it nine something 930 kv motor whatever it is i think i think it's a 900 kv motor i'm gonna take that and sell it nice take that scorpion 3020 or 30 whatever it is not 3020 it's like a 3016 or something um and so i'm gonna sell that i got a couple of old like equipment i want to sell so basically what i want to do is i want to fund two more neos with all this stuff i'm selling one uh and then when i do that i'm also gonna sell you kevin my icon off the the 380 cool and that way i can uh and then because i'm gonna rebuild that so that that heli is gonna go offline for probably a couple months it's gonna be basically i'm gonna do a total breakdown i want every single bolt cleaned every single screw cleaned um every bearing checked you know, and then replace any parts and do a little bit of the upgrades, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, so that's going to be basically decommissioned for at least a month or two. So during that time, you know, hopefully I could, you know, scrounge up some enough money to get an, another uh, Neo for that. So I'm going to get a Neo, put it in a Tariq, start flying that hopefully soon. I'll sell you an icon and kind of, you know, just work my way to get my uh, fleet to be all Neos, that's really going to be my immediate goal in the next couple of months. At least by the summertime, I want to have all my fleet ready to go with the V-Control. So, yeah, that's about it for me. Uh, what about you, Chris? What are you going to be working on next? It's going to be the week and weekend of Oxys. I've, um, <laughs> the Turek the edition is probably about a week or two out still. Um, but I've got the Stretch Oxy coming from Anthony tomorrow. And I also have the 255 Oxy, the the one for the night machine. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully have both of those going for the weekend. Um, still waiting on the custom canopies. And then I finally got around to ordering um, all the electronics for that Piper Cub that I got from my grandfather. So I'm hoping to have that ready by uh, by spring. Nice. nice. Quarter scale, right? Oh, yeah. 26cc gasser on it. Yeah. Nice. That's going to be amazing. Oh, cool, man. Cool, man. You, so you're gonna do some, uh, you know, low, low pass night edge between the houses? No, not with that one. <laughs> I heard, I heard a little birdies told me that uh, <laughs> you do that with the uh, with the other cub, the uh, the park zone, not the park zone, the Horizon Hobbies one. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it was a park zone super cub. Yeah, I have fun yeah. with that out front, but the quarter scale, my goal with that. Is my grandfather's 92 years old, so I want to I want to put a nice flight or two on it, and pretty much the electronics I'm putting in it is just cheap stuff. If she sees it fly once or twice, it's going back up in the loft, and I'm just keeping it for nostalgic reasons. Nice, that's awesome, that's dude. Cool. Nice man. 
All right, uh, Kevin, what are you going to be up to? I am going to be working on the FT Explorer and the Arrow. I actually was working on a little bit more on that um, over the last couple of days. The Arrow's coming along really nice. I can't wait to uh, get everything placed in that. I have everything for it. I just got to figure out weight and place it and get the CG right. Mm-hmm. But that I should have ready for the next time we're out flying, man. Try FPV some FPV. Or... Yeah. Yep. Oh, awesome. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I still got to build up mine. I, I just I have to buy some uh, FPV gear for that. Yeah, and then um, I'm looking forward to Oxy Build Night if we do one because I, I ordered that sport and I got uh, I have mm-hmm. everything for it except for um, I need an icon and uh, I need some servos and I know where I'm getting both of those. Yeah. <laughs> so are you going to put the MKSs in there? I think so, yeah. Okay. You know, the, the deal that Anthony's given me is is as about as much as I would pay for the Turner G ones. So why not? You know? Dude, that that's a killer deal. Yeah. Yeah, he's really hooking you up. That's definitely a friends and family price there. Um but I'm just curious, like being that the the sport's gonna be your beater, do you wanna put the more higher end servos in there or do you, or would you know, would it be worth to switch uh, the higher end servos in your I don't know. I was thinking that stretch? too. Yeah, I don't know. You know? Keep the higher end, man. I've got I've got Anthony hooked on the MKS, and he was talking to me the other day. What's nice about the MKS is, yeah, they're higher end. You're going to spend more money, but with the Metal Gear train, you can put that Oxy in the ground 10 times and replace everything on that machine. The servos are never going to fail. Yes. It, 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 it's worth, if that's your daily flyer and your beater, mm-hmm. you want the quality servos because they're going to outlast any crash you ever put on the machine. Yeah, and I Those? think I'm going to beat on that more. I'm going to take yeah. more chances with that, so. Maybe that's okay. a good idea. Wow, but that's a pretty bold statement, really, Chris. Hmm. Three three years they haven't let me down. Really? Because I can break things pretty good. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> if you're breaking if you if you're breaking a metal gear train, I uh-huh. don't want to be around you when you're crashing. Oh. I mean, for sure the the turgy, I, I've broken those t- thousands of times. That's not a problem. But BK, no problem. I break them. Then you know, especially the micro ones. I mean I, I haven't, you know, knock on wood, I haven't crashed the 570 or 700, but uh, the 380, when I crashed it, boom, two gears gone, you know. Of, of all my crashes last year in 2015, you know, 300 size up to the 700 Kyle Stacy. Mm-hmm. of all the crashes, the only thing I broke was the plastic servo horns. And those are those are sacrificial. And that's yeah, the yeah. only thing that, $5 fix, and I was back up in the air. Huh. Nice. Nice. I got to... I gotta try some MKS. I, I've been with the BKs, kind of, you know. I kind of like them. I kind of like the way they look, and you know, Burke Cameron's a good guy, so I don't mind supporting his uh, his brand. But um, yeah, that's definitely. I mean, you know, I want to get the most out of my money, so maybe I'll try a set uh, of the, the MKSs, you know. Or let me know when you're when you, let me know when you're ready to sell one. <laughs> sell a set. <laughs> but um, all right, cool. Uh, anything else, Kevin? I'm kind of looking forward to flying that Explorer, even though it's like going to be similar to the Bixler, and just I don't know. I want to see what it flies like, and like I said, if yeah. it's if it's halfway decent, I mean, I'll give it to Anthony. Let him tool around with it. Yeah, cool. Um, what kind of motor are you putting in that? Just curious. Like, it's um, it's a a thousand kV. Um, I think it's like a Park four hundred thousand kV. Okay. Somewhere around there, like a twenty two twelve. Yeah, one thousand. That's what they recommend. The eight four prop. Mm-hmm. 
a little 30 amp ESC and away we go. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. I feel like that, that plane, I mean, the wingspan's pretty big on it, right? Yeah. It's like 60, I think, or close wow. to it. I feel like it needs like a park 480. Like it needs like some juice, you know, like some wattage to go. But it's it's mainly set up to FPV and and just like do slow stuff, so you don't need anything mm. crazy. You know what I come to realize? If a plane can't fly very well inverted, I don't like it. Oy. <laughs> is, is that a little snobbish of me to say that? Yes. It is? No. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I know I can be a douchebag sometimes, but I flew I don't my know. scout inverted. Didn't really come out of inverted. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Too didn't want well, to come but... back. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just I don't know. Like I think for me, like I test a plane and see if it could go inverted, and I like the the. I think that's the whole thing, right? Like why I like flying helicopters because there's like that, you know, the the toughness, like the the skill that's involved in flying a heli. You know, I I don't feel like that I get that out of planes so much. Unless I'm flying inverted. No, I, I get what you mean because you know? when I flew that Spitfire around, uh, I was like, yeah, I like it. But then you're like, okay, this is it. Like, it doesn't do anything else. You can't really knife edge with it too well. And, yeah. You know, in, inverted is okay. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess it, maybe we're not finding those four channel planes like that, the trainer style or the Warbird style, as, as much of a challenge as we used to. Yeah, well, especially the flight test plans, uh, planes, they're they're so well thought out that they fly easy. Like, if it was my P forty seven FMS P forty seven, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I I'd, I'd have that same feeling I give for helicopter. You know, not not pucker effect, but like, okay, I got a little bit of anxiety. Like, I got to concentrate bit of a little more. I gotta, yeah. I gotta concentrate, and sometimes I forget to breathe. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, like that, that that excitement, that thrill of like, you know, you know, it's, it's what gets me, I think, you know, and like, yeah, like, you know, flying the planes, like if it's fun, you know, doing, yeah, you do your rolls, you do your Cuban eights and like, you know, you kind of mess around, you, you go up straight and you tip stall it and kind of like come back down and do stuff. But like, I don't know, for me, like flying inverted low, I get that like feeling I get with the helicopter, like, ooh, ooh, I'm about to dump it. I got to be careful, you know, like concentration, you kind of like sweat a little, you know. Yeah. I, I kind of like that, you know. It brings that excitement into it, so I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a douche. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess you want to wrap it up, Kev? Yeah, man. I'm not sure if this is new or not. I, I kind of lost track. I think I have to go back through all the show notes to find out. I just look at the states, and if one I think hasn't popped up. I say, oh, we have a listener. So I'm thinking this is new. Uh, we have some listeners in Delaware, which is pretty awesome. Um, when I originally did a, when we originally looked at Podbean and it said, you know, United States, uh, it listed all the states and then it said other 666 total downloads. So I don't know if other is hell, Michigan, or if other is <laughs> actually hell, but. Um, I hopefully we're not broadcasting in hell. Uh, so that's the USA. Uh, the world, I, we have new listeners in the Netherlands and Singapore, which is pretty awesome. Because I, nice. I don't speak Singaporeese. Netherlands. Or Singaporeish. One of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, vacation spots, Netherlands. The Netherlands? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh and what else do we have? Do you have some Instagram comments? Yeah, I was on Instagram. I don't know if we've read some of these or not, but uh, 
in reference to our Freefall RC podcast canopy that we got from Candle Mods, mm-hmm. um, TN Bridge said that looks awesome. Chris Rybert said looking good. Um, nice. In reference to the 200% Mustang picture that you were talking about, for a pito toe, for a pito, for a pitato, <laughs> said madness. What size motor prop ESC lipo are you using? Uh, so I list. I answered him back, um, mm-hmm. and then the Nate Zero G said, "Listening to your the Nate dog, the Nate, the Nate dog, yeah. The Nate, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed <laughs> the Nate dog. Yeah, the D is silent. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, so that would be the Nate OG. <laughs> the Nate OG. Yeah, I thought that's what he was going for. The Nate OG. Nate OG. Um, <laughs> All right." He said, listening to your Build It Bigger episode right now, 200% Mustang. That's freaking awesome, man. That's cool. I got a lot of feedback, actually. Uh, a few people that just that I know of that, that sent me a text or um, just sent me a um, Facebook message saying they, they liked the episode there that we had with Nick on talking about the, the 200% stuff. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that was awesome. So everybody, thanks for those words. Um, and our buddy from Australia said, uh, SKT73 said, sweet, how do I get some down under, mate, uh, in reference to the stickers, dude? So I think that's what we'll have to do. Let, let me hear your Australian accent. Oh, my Australian accent is terrible, dude. So say that in an Australian accent. Uh, I can't do Australian. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. The dango ate your baby. That's Nick's thing. Sweet. How do I get that couple down under, mate? No, I can't. I can't do that. I don't know. I'm not good with an Australian. I'm not even good with actual Australians. I do we, it, do, do we, it in an Arnold voice. I was we just in, lo- we just lost him as a listener, guys. Great. I was in I was in Vegas one time and uh, I had a couple of drinks. And I was at a bar and I was and I was like, "Hey, where are you guys from?" We were just chatting to a couple couple guys and oh no, their chicks and um. They were from Australia. And I was like, oh, you've been here before? They're like, oh, yeah, you've been here. I said, where are you guys staying? And they were like, oh, we're staying at MGM. And MGM had this actual display or caged area where they had lions. Like, everybody went to see the MGM lions. Oh, wow. I'm not sure okay. if they still do that. But at the time, <laughs> I said to them, I said, oh, you checked out the lions there in the lobby? And they were like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, being from Australia, you probably see them every day. It's probably no big deal. Oh. They were like, what do you think? We live in the woods? I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry, man. I just figured everybody's out in, you know, out in the wilderness there in Australia. Or what, what was the thing that they do? The uh, the walk? <sighs> the walk? Yeah, they do like a walk. Oh, the walkabout? The walkabout, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. That's what I mean. They're walking about with knives and stuff. But no, I, you know. When you had a couple of drinks in you, you, you forget that there's like cities like Sydney and stuff, you know, right. cultural, <laughs> cultural areas. So sorry. Yeah, yeah. No offense. We're just, you know, we're just joking around. Dudes do what dudes do. All right. Uh, so Facebook lights. Uh, we got a total so far of 121 now. So and we got, I think, eight new this week. So it's kind of slowed down a little, but it's cool. You know, we're still progressing. I'm going to butcher some of these names for sure. Um, so we got Philip Goodwin, Nathan Knight, Craig Murray, Dave Bartley. This one's going to be – did I spell that wrong? Or is it actually Kieran? Yeah, Kieran. Kieran Donnelly. And Chad 
Griffith. I think this is a Chad we used to fly with. Yeah. I'm is pretty it? sure, too, yeah. Hey, Chad, how's it going? It's been a long time. Yeah, and we he wrote to... us a long... Oh, I forget where I'm just looking for it real quick. He wrote us uh, a nice long write-up about uh, listening. And how he's having a good time listening to us and uh, about how he, he thinks he's going to be staying the whole time out of Flight Fest. Uh, so All it should be right. good to catch up with him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he went last year, but it was like... I think he only stopped for like a little bit, right? Yeah, he stopped for like a couple hours because he has family yeah. in the area. Yeah. Yep, that's what it was. Yes. Yep. Ah, cool. Well, yeah, that'd be awesome, Chad. We'll definitely hang out and do some flying. You yeah. Know, like we like back in the Green Pond days. Yep. And then we got some Facebook comments here, or a comment, and it's Brian Weller. My only complaint is you guys need to talk more about helis in general. Happy Emoto Icon. We should try to convince uh, you should try to convince Chris to do one show a month or even bi monthly. What do you think, Chris? Hey, give the listeners what they want. The wife approved it. So if I can get in once a month, it'll be it'll be fun. Awesome. Well, at least once a month, you're on for sure. Um We didn't even have to beg him. Yeah, I know, right? We didn't have to bribe him or <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nice. Um so I, I also spoke I think on the on the forums, the flight test forums, um, you know, someone also mentioned that we need to get Fred back on. I did mention it to him today. He reached out to me. Um, I think he was like, "You selling all your helis or something?" And he kind of made a comment like that. I was like, "No, I'm just selling, you know, these blade ones. I don't fly or I don't want to fly anymore." But anyways, um, you know, I kind of reached out to him and said, "Hey, you know, we should uh should get him back on the show." So I'm kind of, you know. We'll, we'll think of some ideas for the show, what kind of show we want to do. I know he mentioned about um, our workspaces to kind of get into a little more detail about it since I think he totally redid his. And uh, I did see the pictures on Facebook of his workspace. So it looked pretty awesome. Good amount of room, you know, a heater and everything in there. So even though he's in Florida. Can we do it on tasers? What is taser of choices? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's get some Podbean shoutouts. People that have started following us on our Podbean site, which is our hosting site. Um, that site is freefarcpodcast.podbean.com. And we have Muse, our friend Muse, Abazi. He uh, was, I think, our first follower on Podbean. Yeah. Sorry if we're we're a little behind on the Podbean stuff. It's been it's been a little getting used to how the display is and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have Mr. Mobies, M O E B E E S Mobies, and Chitty Twenty Four. Okay, thank you because I didn't want to say it because if I said it, I think I would say Shitty by mistake. No, that's my buddy Chad. Okay, Chitty O Two Four Twenty Four, and we have Craig Mills. And Easy Dog. I wonder if he's related to the Nate Dog. Or the Snoop Dog. <laughs> or Snoop Dog. No. All right. So uh, I want to give a special thanks to our club president, Mike D, for sharing our podcast on our weekly uh, Tri-County RC email. He gave us a shout-out on there. If you drop us an iTunes review, we'll read it out on our next episode. Has anyone checked iTunes? Yeah, I checked it. Okay. It's just those three. Okay, so we haven't gotten any new reviews. I don't know what your folks are waiting for. Come on. Send us some reviews, please. Easy, easy dog. 
<laughs> All right. So if you want to email us, you can email us at free4rc at gmail.com. So Facebook, come uh, join us and like and you know hit the like button for our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash free4rc podcast. Don't forget to check out our new webs page, free4rc.com. We're always adding new stuff. Chris is hooking it up. Um, you know, it's, it's freefallrcpodcast.com, dude. Is that what I said? No, you said freefallrc.com. Oh, freefallrcpodcast.com. Thank you for the correction. Sorry for that. No problem. All right. And if you'd like to see something new added to it, just let us know. We'll, we can always you know, get Chris to uh, hook it up again. We got uh, forums on the flight test forums. It's under audio and video production, other than flight test podcasts, and then free fall RC podcasts. Uh, Chris, do you want to give them your info just in case people want to contact you? Yeah, just keep it simple this time. Uh, just go to my website, 3D and scale rchelicopters.com, um, and there's a contact us page, and it's got links to my email, Facebook. YouTube and Instagram. So it's all all one shot. Just go to 3D and scale rchelicopters.com. Awesome. Cool. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us and taking the time to listen to our little rants here. Uh, see you all next time. See you guys. See ya. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. Well, Steve, yeah. you to sleep? We went for